Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 147. My name is John Morgan, and I am in Los Angeles. My man, Cole Coffey, he is not with me, but he is going to be with us here very shortly. My man, Cole Coffey, is out in Boston for the big UFC pay-per-view. UFC 220, Miocic versus Ninganu, the heavyweight title is on the line. Daniel Cormier versus Volkan Ozdemir, the co-main event, the light heavyweight title is on the line. A couple of big fights out there. Meanwhile, I'm in Los Angeles. Inglewood is where the event will be. Bellator 192, Rampage versus Sonnen. Big event for Bellator as well. Their first event on the new Paramount Network, which, don't worry, you don't have to find anything. It's staying right where Spike was. So they actually said today that uh, you don't even have to change your DVR. It should all work there. So a newly rebranded network, uh, but it's going to stay in all the same homes so you don't have to find any place for it. Um, but a big event for Bellator as well. Damn shame these cards have to go head-to-head with each other. You know, the the Bellator weekly product, you know, good fights, good fights. They've had a lot of, you know, good talent come along. But, it's, you know, the 10-pole events are the one you, you kind of want to tune in for. And to be going up against um, a heavyweight title fight, it, it, it does kind of suck. I think if things work out the way they should, you should be able to watch the main and the co-main uh, for Bellator, which, of course, are the big fights there. And then you can uh, then you can flip over for the pay-per-view. But, you know, hey, DVRs and all that good stuff, you'll figure it out. You'll be watching both. I know it. Uh, we'll start out talking about Bellator. We're going to get some some uh, insight on the UFC and what things are like up there in icy cold Boston from Cold Coffee. He's got uh, he's got a crew with him, man. He and Matt Erickson are up there covering the show for MMA Junkie. And then, of course, uh, as it was at the last pay-per-view. Pretty cool, man. A couple of uh, MMA Junkie alumni are, are working as well. You got Shamakar Sandu working for MMA India. Uh, you got Abby Subban. He's over there working for the Mac Life. So they're all actually up there in Boston having a good time, leaving me here all by my damn lonesome self. I am going to have a frosty beverage with Simon Simano later on tonight. He's working the desk right now. But he lives right down the road. And we'll have a couple cocktails this evening. But let's talk about what's happening in Los Angeles first. Um, I'll be honest. When I came out here, I kind of thought that uh, media coverage might be pretty light. You know? I mean, uh, it's, it's no, no no question about it. The Bellator is still the number one brand. Or excuse me, the UFC is still the number one brand. So when Bellator goes head-to-head, you know they're going to suffer a little bit. Um, so I was a little bit worried about media coverage for Bellator. But quite a bit more media out here than I thought there would be. Some of the national media that lives in L.A. didn't travel. Um, of course, there's some... Local media in L.A. that's covering as well. So they're actually doing pretty good with coverage. I, I thought they might struggle a little bit, but they're doing pretty good. And uh, we had an open workout yesterday that drew pretty good interest. And then we had a press conference today. Did have to drive a little bit. We're staying at the Sheridan Gateway LAX, which is just, I mean, literally right next to LAX, which is super convenient if you're flying down here. And they're doing most of their media here. They're doing their weigh-ins here all on site. So it's super, super convenient. Except for today. Today we had to go up to Hollywood uh, for the press conference, it's you know close to an hour drive each way, which is kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, Southern California traffic, LA traffic, brutal, always brutal. Uh, but it was pretty cool. It was on the the lot of Paramount Studios, so they were utilizing their relationship with uh, the new network, and uh, it was on the uh, the lot where they where they make movies and they make TV shows happen, and uh, so it was pretty cool. It was a, a beautiful setting, a very historical setting. Look, I'm not the uh, I'll be honest, I'm not the uh, movie file or whatever you call it a cinema guy I, well, I don't know what you call it but it's just not me so I don't know I know Matt Erickson is a big uh, collector of movie memorabilia and all that so he may even enjoyed it a little bit more than I did 
I don't know what's been filmed there and all that, but I will say it was a beautiful setting, and it was pretty cool. They uh, they they had some trailers running for some cool stuff as well. I don't, again, I'm not a huge TV show watcher. If if, it's, if it doesn't have an MMA fight, I don't watch much. But as we were waiting to get ready, they had some uh, previews running for some uh, original programming. One was called Waco. Um, about the, the, the Koresh situation in Texas. Of course, that's kind of close to my heart because it was you know, not too far away from where I grew up in Dallas. Uh, there was another one called Yellowstone. So that's a pretty cool little program on there. But it was it was a cool cool scene. Uh, so I'll just say that. And again, pretty good media coverage. So I was really impressed with the coverage they've been able to get so far. Now, one of the big stories this week has been, and, and, and it had been talked about for a while since they made the decision, but how the card is designed. Okay, originally when this card was announced, it was welterweight champ Douglas Lima against challenger Roy McDonald in the main event of the fight. Okay, Bellator 192, Lima versus McDonald. And of course, you had the heavyweight Grand Prix opening round contest between Quentin Rampage Jackson and Chael Sonnen as your co-main event. Now, a little more than a week ago, Bellator made the decision, uh, along with their friends at Paramount, to move the card around a little bit. And put Quentin Rampage Jackson and Chael Sonnen in the main event. Now, i got to be honest with you. I would 100% do the exact same thing. 100%. And I get it. You know, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, well, that's disrespecting your champion, man. That's, that's, that's not giving love to a fight that some people say could determine the number one welterweight on the planet. I, I don't know if I buy into that. It's so hard to make that argument. I get MMA math. Rory McDonald beat Tyron Woodley. and So if, if Rory beats the, the Bellator champ and he owns a win over the UFC champ, then he's number one in the world. That's a good argument to make. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're Douglas Lima, you say, you know, I beat Rory McDonald who beat Tyron Woodley. So, you know, I was already the champ anyway. So I'm the best in the world. I get the argument. It's, it's a debatable. It's not something that you're going to be able to convince people one way or the other. They're either going to believe it or they're not, and as simple as that. And I don't think you're, you're – it's not one of those MMA arguments where you're able to, you know, lace a couple of facts out there and then everything is going to be right. So, But it's an argument. It, it, it's definitely a top-level welterweight contest. It's, it's one of the best fights that Bellator can make in terms of world rankings and in terms of impact uh, on the rankings. So big fight, and by demoting them, quote-unquote, to the co-main event slot – a lot of people are saying, you know, listen, you, you disrespect them, and and that that's not fair, and it's and it's for this. Now, if you, here's the thing: if you don't buy into the heavyweight Grand Prix concept, then I guess you'd probably feel more that way. I like the Grand Prix concept; I really do. And I know it's crazy because I know Chael Sonnen's a middleweight, and I know Rampage is a light heavyweight, and I know you know it's, it's and now they're fighting at heavyweight. I get all that, and I get why you might not like that. But Rampage and Chael can sell a fight, even without beef between each other. And they've been very, very respectful of each other. Even without contrived, you know, scripted selling points of hate, they're still going to sell a fight. They're superstars of sport. They've been there. They've done that. Their name carries a ton of weight. And they're charismatic. The the interviews, the pre- they're going to talk. Douglas Lima, incredible fighter. I actually picked him. I actually picked him in this fight. I know that's not a, probably a popular decision, but I picked him. He is incredibly talented, and he hits hard. But he doesn't talk a lot. And English is a second language, and he's fine at it, but he's just not a talker. That's not who he is. Roy McDonald doesn't talk a lot either. Now, some of the things he says are incredible. They're Canadian psycho-esque, 
<laughs> but he doesn't talk much either. They're not going to get the grabby headlines. They're not going to get, I, I can tell you, just based on clicks, based on views, guess who's clicking? Rampage and chill. Guess who's clicking? Rampage and chill. Do Lehman and McDonald mean a lot more? Hell yeah, they do. No disrespect to Rampage and Chill. They're not fighting for anything other than the next round of the tournament. That's it. They're not going to impact any rankings anywhere. But that 100% would have done what Bellator did. Here's the problem. They didn't do it for that way from the beginning. If they had just announced the card this way from the beginning, I think they would have been fine. Um, and I think they realized that mistake, to be honest with you. And I'll tell you why. Um, because today at the press conference, they they before we even got to ask any questions, they were addressing it, and they were saying, listen, here's what's going to happen. You know, Rampage, well, first of all, they called it a double main event. Okay, that's promoter talk, you know, <laughs> whatever. The, the final fight's the main event, right? But double main event. But then they did something kind of cool, and I think this is smart, and I think it makes sense. They said, listen, every tentpole event this year is going to close with a tournament fight. So whether it be the opening round fights, whether it be, you know, the, the next round, the semifinals, you know, I mean, it's that's what we're doing, okay? And I think that's smart. And they and then they they set an extra step, and, and I don't know um, what exactly they intend to do, and I, and I'm, I'm interested to see how they do it. They, Bellator's tentpole events are pretty cool production wise. I'll say that I'm not into the big, you know, WWE entrance styles or whatever, but as a as a little alternative every now and then to to the simple you know UFC ones. I like them, man. The big video board and the you know all this—it's cool. But what they said is they're going to go out of their way to make sure that these fights feel differently, that they they they're presented a little bit different, and then th- this is almost an event within an event, you know. And I think that's smart. And, and now you say, no, listen, Lima McDonald—that's our main event, you know. That is our main event. But then we've got this special feature of our of our tournament, our Grand Prix, that's going to be happening all year long. You know, as I said, it's a storyline you can follow all year long. Um, I think that's a good idea. I, I'm, I am totally on board with it, and I don't think that disrespects anybody. Because, I mean, what do you say? Okay, well, you know, this event, yes, Lima McDonald or the, or, the, or the main event, but the next event, you know, when it's one of the Pitbull brothers and, you know, I mean, whoever it is, okay, now that's not the main event. Now the main event is the tournament. Now you're talking about respect and disrespect. This is going to be uh, treated the same way throughout the year. And I think because of that, you're not going to have conflicts. I think everybody's going to understand, and I think it's going to make sense. Smart, smart move on Bellator. They just handled it wrong coming out the gate. They made a mistake coming out the gate, but that's the plan going forward. Now, I go through all this because we had a pretty funny moment today at the uh, at the press conference. Uh, you know, it was uh, you know not the most tense press conference. But again, Chael and Rampage—they don't have any tension. They don't. They you know they said, "Listen, we got no beef between each other," so they're not bickering back and forth. They're just they're just doing their thing. Um, and, and and you know, good for them. I will say, if you haven't watched the countdown pieces, catch the countdown pieces that Bellator did. They're so good. They are so good. The second one, the the line that Shale had, the first of all, the poem that he had is great. He has a little little, little poem that he throws in there. It's fantastic. And he has an awesome one-liner, too, where he's sitting there eating a steak, and he's like, people are asking me how my training's going. And I say, training? It's just Rampage. <laughs> it's nice. So it's nice. There was their fine promo work. Watch those if you didn't. They were, they were actually a lot of fun. Um, but So the press conference is okay. It's nothing spectacular or whatever. 
Um, but of course, I asked about the the, the the placement and how they decided and what they're doing. Okay, Mark Raimondi was there for MMA fighting. He touched on it a little bit as well. And then all of a sudden, towards the end, Eves Edwards got the microphone. Eves Edwards, long time MMA veteran, a guy that uh, most people in the industry have an incredible amount of respect for. I mean, the guy fought what 65, 70 times in his career. Incredible. I was uh, that's one of my favorite early MMA stories. I was actually at his second ever uh, pro fight, which was amazing. They were they were in Dallas. Um, just a legend. The guy's been around forever. All the respect in the world. So I, I to be honest, I didn't know why he had a microphone. Um, I I thought maybe you know is he here cornering? I don't know why he would be cornering Douglas Lima, but you know you got ATT. ATT Atlanta, like maybe something happened and they, you know, they they decided to work together for this camp or something. I I didn't know. It, it didn't make sense to me, but that was the only thing um, I could uh, I, I could come up with in my head. And and basically, Eves decides to get up and hammer home the point. And uh, here's what he had to say: Bellator is a cornerstone of our network and a franchise that Viacom is proud to have in his portfolio. And what better place to hold the first Bellator on Paramount? press conference than here at the legendary Paramount lot. It's on this lot that the term movie star was coined over 100 years ago, and we've got some pretty big stars of our own sitting here at the dais. These fighters here will fight on the Paramount Network Saturday night, January 20th at 9 p.m., taking place at the LA Forum. And what makes this event also special is that there will be two main events, Rory McDonald versus the champ Douglas Lima, followed by the premiere of Bellator's heavyweight Grand Prix, Chael versus Rampage. The new heavyweight Grand Prix that will crown a heavyweight champion is a huge initiative for the Paramount Network, Bellator, and Viacom. We view this as a year-long series, a special series, a storyline that fans can follow from event to event. As you'll see on Saturday's broadcast and in the, in the arena, we will creatively differentiate the main event card and the Grand Prix in many different ways. We want this creative differentiation to make the Heavyweight Grand Prix feel like a separate and unique event to the audience. And that's why it ends the night. And moving forward, all of the Bellator tent poles in 2018 will end with a Bellator Grand Prix event. Could please for Scott, I wanted to ask, you know, a lot's been made of the, the construction of this card. You know, what's the main event? What's the co-main event? Now I think the terminology is it's, it's a double main event. So I guess can you talk about kind of how you came to the conclusion that that's the way the card should be laid out? And it sounds like from your the statement made, Every card the rest of the year, this heavyweight Grand Prix will be the final fight of the night, but not. But we don't want to call it necessarily the main event of the night. Is that right? I mean, look, both these fights deserve to be the main event. So this is a double main event. And, um, you know, John had already spoken to it earlier. And I think that uh, if you'd like to, you know, to get it explained a little bit in more detail, you know, we can sit down and talk after the press conference. Sure. And do you have any teasers? It sounds like you said you're going to differentiate a little bit how it's going to look, how it's going to feel. Do either one of you have any teasers of, of what we can expect to see? Well, I think it's going to make a lot more sense to you on Saturday. When you're, if you're watching the broadcast, you're in the arena, and we hope that you are all in the arena because it's going to be an incredible night. It's going to be a packed house. But you'll, it'll make sense to you because what we're doing is we're really creating another – it's like a show in a show, within a show. It's an event within the event. And we're really – creatively differentiating these two things in a big, big way. You'll see it on Saturday. I won't give you all the surprises, but I know that it'll be a great time and it'll be a, it'll be a very entertaining night. And then just for John, um, what was the time frame about the decision to 
to flip-flop the main event and, ma and make the heavyweight tournament the main event for, you know, across the year? When did that all kind of go down and get uh, decided? It's very soon. We've, we've started, you know, we started thinking about, obviously the, the Grand Prix has been in the works for a long time, but creatively how we lay out the show, which is what this is about, was just, I think it was a week ago. So this is very, this, yes, it was, it was quick. It was, uh, it was a, it was, it was, it was, it was recent, very recent. So things happen fast, for sure. What's the justification for having a, sorry, some of you guys don't know who's talking. What's the justification for having a middleweight fight a light heavyweight in a heavyweight tournament be the main event above the, probably the best welterweight title fight in the sport? Yeah, I think we've already addressed that. If you'd like yeah. to talk about that after, we're more than happy to sit down. But I think we've already addressed that. And uh, listen, we're moving on. And uh, the announcement was made. You know, we made the decision to move forward, and the network did. So, you know, to me, if you have another question other than that, we'll ha gladly talk about the fighters. You have all these great athletes up here. They've already discussed how they feel about it, and, and you know, we all talked about this in length. So, to me, it's either the next question or we'll talk about something else. Whose decision was it? We can talk about something else later. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about this. You know, it's... You did. You did. Tell him, Rampage. I don't know. Any questions? Question up front? You know, if, if you want it, mine. It was mine. Turn the mic on. It was mine. When I, when I called up Coker and John and I engineered this entire thing, okay, I did tell them if, if, if Dougals and Roro want to stick around in the back, I'll happily fight them in the locker room if it makes them feel more appreciated. But as things stand, they're going to clear my office so I can go to work. Thank you. <laughs>
what? You know what I mean? And, and that's why, to me, this is fun. It, it harkens back to the, the open weight Grand Prix eras. And I'm telling you, um, I don't know. I, I wish the UFC would embrace it. I know it's. I know why they don't. I know Dana hates them because of the uncertainty and the injuries and all those things that happen. Um, but I, I think it, it would be fun. I mean, you think about Cormier winning the Strike Force Grand Prix. I, mean, I don't know. They're just fun, especially when they're not. I do not like single night tournaments. Do not like single night tournaments. Um, I think that then you really start getting luck involved and all that. But uh, I love this. So anyway, uh, I think that's how it's set up. Uh, listen, in the fight pick itself, I went with Rampage. And I went with him before we got out here. And I was a little bit worried. Of course, Rampage fighting a heavyweight instantly think, God, now he doesn't have to care. I will say, I mean, he still looks big, obviously. I think he's, you know, we'll see. By the time you listen to this, the weigh-ins will probably already be done. Sitting down to record on Thursday night like we always do. Uh, early morning weigh-ins here, Friday morning. I, you know, but I'm guessing he's going to come in around like 245, 250. Um, but he was 253 last time, and it just didn't look as as lean. You know, it looked like he's got more muscle on. He said he's been following a strict diet. Um, he talks about this thyroid issue that he had, an, an underperforming thyroid and um, he looks to me to be in better shape. Now, his open workout, we put some clips of that on that. He was just kind of running through the motions. Walking through the motions might be the better way to say it. But it still seemed to me like he looked in decent shape. Um, you know, Chael, I was surprised too. Chael said, and, and again, we'll, we'll check the weigh-ins, but he said he was going to come in around 215. He said he kind of lightened up a little bit. You know, he walks around 225, but he actually wanted to lighten up a little bit. So that he was the speedier guy. That he felt like he could move better um, at the lighter weight. He's still going to have to have some strength. You know, he's, he's going to be giving up a lot of weight to get the takedowns. Chael's, Chael's made it pretty clear. He's like, listen. It's funny because he's basically saying, you know, this is going to be the most boring fight ever if I win. But he was basically said, listen, I, I am going to take him down once per round. And uh, I'm not letting him back up. Uh, so, you know, if he can do that, he, he, he can win. Um or, you know, as Rampage said, he wants to stand up and just try to throw down until he knocks Chill out. So, uh, I went with Rampage, question marks for sure, man. You know, such a wild matchup. Two guys from, uh, you know, different divisions facing each other in a third division. It's, it's crazy. Um, but I'm leaning towards Rampage, so that's that's kind of my thought process process on it. Douglas Lima versus Roy McDonald, the co-main Again, I did lean Douglas Lima there as well. I think he's an incredibly underrated fighter. Really, really good fighter. I do feel like this might be an opportunity to kind of be his coming out party. Um, but, man, Rory's tough. If if he's vintage. I, you know, don't take this, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful of Paul Daly, but the win over Paul Daly just didn't do it for me. That didn't answer the questions that I have. I mean, I know he hits hard, and you know, but he's just so one-dimensional and no disrespect that's why we like paul daly right he just he comes in looking to, to blow things up right syntax man I, I love it but he just doesn't have the ground game so um that's why i'm leaning that way i still have those questions those lingering questions i mean why did the usc want to let rory go why do they want to let rory go because they believe that his better days were behind him period end of story i can tell you right now if the usc wanted to keep rory mcdonald they would have kept him they can pay whatever they want to pay. It's because they made Italian talent evaluation that it, they were not willing to invest big money on Rory because they felt his better days were behind him. And if you look at it, over time, the UFC has done a pretty good job of evaluating talent. 
guys that they let go hardly ever go on massive runs or, or you go, wow, they really screwed that one up. Um, and, and I know internally, you know, there were some, some high-ranking officials that believe, uh, the, you know, the Lawler fight especially kind of stole Rory's soul. Um, he's still a badass. There's no question about it. Um, but I went towards Lima. Now, if Rory McDonald answers those questions, then you'll never hear me say anything about that USC Italian evaluation again. You know, you might this guy might be the one that goes on uh, on the other way. So, uh, but we'll see. For now, I'm I'm, I'm going Lima. Michael Chandler Goichi Yamauchi uh, is a big fight there. Uh, Michael Chandler saying, "Listen, um, I, I'm not even sure I want to fight for the title after this." Which Scott Coker seemed a little annoyed at that, uh, but not even sure I want to fight for the title if I win this fight. Um, I just want big fights. I want the biggest fights I can I can possibly get. So. We'll see. But Koichi Yamauchi, a, a guy that might have flown under your radar, certainly understandable. You know, if you're not a, a weekly follower of the, of the Bellator brand, um, guy's dangerous, especially with his submissions. Um, so he could uh, he could cause some problems here for Michael Chandler. Although Michael Chandler looks to be uh, in, in in great physical condition this week. So uh, those are the featured bouts at, at Bellator. Of course, they'll have a a big undercard as well. Um, and we'll have uh, we'll have coverage of all that, but we really just been kind of getting to the featured guys this week, especially because with two events going on, there's so much coverage um, on the website. There was just a ton of stuff. I did write a story on Chad George, prelim fighter, uh, who has taken nearly three years off from MMA. He's been working on. Uh, he, he's an LA area guy, and uh, that's up on MMA Junk if you want to check it out. So I was kind of one. I I did write on the undercard. Uh, but Chad George has taken almost three years off of the sport of MMA, um, but he has been active. He worked in getting his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's been uh, taking uh, grappling competitions, including Eddie Bravo, uh, the Eddie Bravo Invitational, and the, the new set of rules where he can strike on the ground, the combat Jiu-Jitsu, where he actually won a uh, tournament and claimed a title there. So uh, he says you know, the time away has been good for him, uh, and he feels like an entirely recharged and, and new man. Now, you know, you know that that – that ring rust is like that cage corrosion. So we'll see. Uh, all right, listen, what I want to do is, uh, I am here covering Bellator 192, but I know, I know you're all up into UFC 220 as well. That's what you want to hear. And I know that my man Cole coffee has got a, uh, he's sitting at an Airbnb out there and he's got a, uh, he's got a crew. He's got a crew of people in there. I think Matt Erickson's with him. Uh, fiasco Jones is up in there as well. Uh, Shamat Karsandu is there. I think Abby Subban's in the back working, so he might not be able to chime in much, but he's there. So he's got a couple of interviews and uh, a couple of things going on there, the open workouts that they went to at the Reebok headquarters. They got to see that. Uh, they got to see a little bit uh, uh, of some early interviews that they did. So they got a bunch going on. And uh, so I figure what we'll do is just throw it out to Boston, cold coffee, and let him uh, bring you a crew. All right, here we are in Boston, the lovely warm Boston, where right now, I just looked a second ago and it was like 24 degrees, which I think in Celsius is like minus 40 Celsius. Is that true? Is that, Sandu? Is that what they use in Canada? Celsius? I don't, know. That? I don't know. Is that what they use Isn't in that what they, That's what they use in the England, right? Well, I'm not English anymore. I'm not British. I've moved, haven't I? Oh, just like that. That's just turncoat. Like, that's all that just a turncoat. Just take off one shirt, put on another. That's how it goes. I like it. I like yeah. it. That's, is that part of lad culture that we just heard about a second well, ago? Well, that's pretty lad culture. I think we need a whole podcast dedicated to lad culture. We, we should. We should. And, and, and <laughs> before we get into all that, let me, let me set the scene. Here we are at the... Uh, 
the Archstone Avenue in the uh, TD Garden area of Boston. Lovely restaurants off to the side. It's cold as shit, but here at the table of me, it is warm and hot with fine folks. I, to my left, Chamatkar Sandu, the new resident of uh, Toronto, no longer uh, English. In fact, the, your accent is practically gone already. You sound very American or Canadian. Eh? That's about right, eh? <laughs> that was good. That was good. Opposite of me is uh, the one Fiasco Jones. Shabooga! That was good. See, I put on the mid and only peaked like twice. Of that. Well, I held back. You did hold I back. Did hold back I, that, it's, we're we're reaching the quiet. That's a lot of restraint that that took. Yeah. I, I can tell. I can tell. And then to my right, uh, the 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 award winning everything Matt Erickson here. That's at the actually table. true. The award winning part is true. I know. I, I see it on your byline, your signature. Yeah. That made me want to write a signature and I was like, did I ever oh, win an award winning journalist? Yeah. I almost put that I was like uh, accepted to young authors once <laughs> in fourth grade. But then I was like, I don't know if that's still current. You could do but. like uh, almost made it into who's who among American <laughs> high school students. That would be good. I did, I did get one of those letters that said, hey, there's a book like who's who in Hathaways. And, and like I'm in there. I was in the who's who among American high school students. To do that, you had to pay like $50 and then that, you got your name in the book if they accepted you, but they accepted everybody. They just right, wanted your just $50. Had, they just wanted your $50 for and the book. And at that point, you're like, holy shit, well, how else can I have my name in a book? I got to pay to get my name in this book. I'm doing it. I like it. I like it. And I should uh, say in the room that's going to join us later on is a, the fine Abby Subban, who's over doing some work for uh, a publication that we will not uh, announce over the uh the airways, but just know that is not junky. Even junky though right I now? think he is doing a junky project right now. Okay, so we can say he's he's here in the room. He's working on some junky stuff, and then we have Danny Austin over in the corner. He threw gang signs, you know. So Canadian gang signs. Canadian gang signs. Which is basically the peace sign. <laughs> peace sign. sign. The Canadian gang signs are the peace sign and the thumbs up sign, <laughs> and also the international sign for surrender. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it isn't the peace sign. If you do it the wrong way in, in England, that's lad culture, England. Matt, in England. It means we're talking about your ass, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I but learned that from watching Darkest Hour. That's recently. what's so, up. Yeah. But in Canada, you give them the thumbs up, the A-OK. It's all good, mate. You're, you're allowed in the country. I like it. Mm. It's, it's like a whole new you over here right yeah, now. That's right. You're just so put forgiving it, it In, in England, open. Kenny? <laughs> Am now I that, doing that right? Now with the two fingers in that particular direction. Now, now I was told that was was it the English that were going towards the French, the archers, right? Basically, because they used to the, the two fingers pointed outwards and you're just throwing up up at somebody. Basically, means f off, mate, or right up your arse, up your arse. Right, but I thought the story was that back when the English and the French used to fight, they used to capture the archers and they would cut their fingers off, and then so that was their way of saying fuck you. I still got my fingers, and it became the up yours. Sort that of was Morgan Freeman and, and uh, Kevin Costner and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, could be. Could I be. think that's where you're Wonderful <laughs> movie. That's wonderful, wonderful also, movie. You call it history. That is history. <laughs> I don't that was, didn't, don't you remember the Brian Adams song? Oh, yeah. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Everything I do, I do for you. Yeah, I remember that. That's a classic, classic uh, English folk song. I love English folk song. One of Christian Slater's finest performances in that movie, by the that way. That is true. That is true. All right, well, let's, let's bring it back to why we're here in Boston. We're here for UFC 220 to watch the... The wonderful main event, actually two wonderful events. Uh, we have Francis Nagano taking on Stipe Miocic, and we also have Daniel Cormier fighting uh, uh, Oz, Ozdemir, Volkan Ozdemir. Um, 
So we had some wonderful things that have already sort of taken place here in Boston. Yesterday we had some interviews that we set up here in town. Um, we were supposed to have four interviews, but our fourth interview, Jamie Moyle, dropped off because the injury forced her out of the event. So we were still able to sit down with Dustin Ortiz. Um, we sat down with John Vellante. And then finally, uh, who's uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Al-Hassan. And uh, all those interviews are on MMA Junkie, so if you haven't seen those, make sure you go check out some of those. Um, and then luckily, all of us um, were able to go afterwards. We went to the Reebok headquarters for the open workouts. So I guess by just tossing the ball back to you guys, um, your thoughts on, the, um, you know, before we get to the uh, the open workouts, first thoughts on Boston um, we get, we're going to talk a little bit in a second about what we saw today at the media day, but, um, is this your first time in Boston? It's my first time. And I have to say I'm having a great time. Uh, it does help that I only had to be in the air for two hours flying from good old Toronto and not <laughs> having to fly in from London and it's true. suffer from, you know, what Abby suffered from, which is like tons of jet lag and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but literally the minute I landed, good pal, Danny Austin was already in town. Um, so I'm not going to lie. We went bar hopping. We went to about six, seven bars and, uh, or six, seven that bars. Like proper MMA media <laughs> yeah. tactics. Went to six, seven bars and, um, had a lot of beer and I actually I've really taken a liking to some local brew um, Sam Samuel Adams cold snap or Sam Adams as the locals would say um, so that's what we're drinking now actually uh, well, that's what you're drinking oh that's what I'm drinking and, and fiasco drink and, and fiasco, fiasco Jones, I, of course. I'm having a fine Peps Blue Ribbon I'm not like John I probably well John doesn't have any ballast point either so it's not a ballast point home game you know we we try to pick up the ballast point when we can. We actually do have a little yeah, ballast point have, in the, in the we fridge. We do have some ballast point. We tried the uh, habanero sculpin yeah. last night, and uh, perhaps one of these fine folks can try it. The sculpin's good. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's it's tasty, but this is the habanero version, and it legit has like it's a little burn it from the habanero. Spicy. It catches up to you, and just when you you're taking a drink, you're like, okay, it tastes like the sculpin. You're like, oh wait, what's that? What's that? And it just kind of creeps on the back of your your tongue, but it's. It's interesting. It's kind of like one of those beers that you want to eat. I want to eat barbecue with it because I need right. something else in my throat with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what she said. Me too. Um, but it's it's uh, it's good stuff. But here we are. We are here having some frosty beverages. So I'm glad that you were able to to get into Boston. And, and Danny Austin did the right thing and and showed you uh, how you should welcome uh, someone to Boston. I imagine. Well, yeah. And you know, speaking about bringing the heat. Uh, the folks inside the Reebok headquarters um, were some, you know, really passionate fans. And I suppose, you know, just being there filming ringside, because yeah. that's what the setup was. They had a ring um, inside Reebok HQ for the fighters to, to do their thing, do the open workout before they had a, a separate scrum area. But I thought that the crowd were fantastic. They were really, you know, participating well. And, you know, the guys like DC and Nganu and Miocic, I thought got real warm welcomes and so they all got loud pops from the crowd which is great and um yeah i, I had i had a really fun time actually um covering th that event i thought it was really good and you know of course then today we had um you know media day got a chance to kind of basically interview all the main card fighters mm -hmm. and see them square off for the first time during fight week and you know look i'm sure we're going to get into it in terms of you know all the fights in this card but you know speaking to other media members and even speaking for myself there's only one or two 
or 1.5 reasons I'm here in town, and that's to cover the most anticipated heavyweight title fight in years. I'm so damn excited for Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou, and uh, literally, I just wish it was Saturday right now. Yeah, I bet. Well, Albert, you're here. You're a little bit different. You're here as a UFC staffer, so you get to see behind the— Pepsi. I work for Pepsi. Oh, that's right, Pepsi. I'm sorry. Yeah. Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Pepsi. It's so weird that Pepsi yeah. gives you the access to follow yes. these fighters yeah. like they do. And you were you were up on the, the turnbuckle— taping some of the action that took place there at the at the lovely Reebok headquarters. And you're right, it was a pretty fantastic place. Um, the retail set up downstairs, and there was more security there than I think I've ever seen at any UFC event, whether it be an event in, in a... 30. There was 30 there was security like, guys. There was a 30 in probably not the biggest space, uh, but it was pretty crazy. I felt like there was more people there than what you see at like a, a, an actual event. <clears throat> it's actually true. I actually talked to Steve Reed after the fact about the security issue of the situation. Like, why? It seems like every door has a guy on it. and Every, every like, 10 floor. feet there yeah. was a security person. And, uh, and I said, like... He's like, yeah, this is actually more people than we have in an arena. You only need eight it, so guys. So it was. <laughs> eight guys in an arena. He had 30 for this thing because the way that building is set up, you have to put a guard for every point of access that is kind of open to the public. So, and that, I mean, just every back room is crazy. That's yeah. nuts. Well, how's it? How's the event been for you? You guys got when? What day did you get here? Got here Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. and so then you initially started doing some fighter interviews. You got to see Francis early on. Um, so, how was the week from when you saw them first show up for the the, the check ins and all that stuff until when we saw him at the open workouts? You know, going from when he first came, has he been loose the whole week? Because it seemed like when he especially got into the ring was very loose, was working the crowd. You know, I think he was throwing a little extra pop on those punches because, you know, every time he did, and speaking to, you know, like what you said, Sandra, the crowd was so responsive. The crowd kind of oohed and ah after those first punches and stuff. But you saw him at the beginning of the week. So, I mean, like, tell me or, or clue us into the, your thought process when you saw these guys first arrive here for this fight week. How yeah. relaxed were they? What What did you see? Uh, one, I always thought it was interesting how Nganu can, uh, his temperament, before like he's t- ready to perform because the guy is just like a uh, funny you know just kind of like a jokester kind of guy and the minute I, you see him like even getting it's for the open workouts i saw a huge transformation he just becomes that begins to become that killer that monster yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's that scary scary dude scary. <laughs> uh, but yeah otherwise he's just like jokes around and you know he was a good guy he was he, he gave us a great interview for uh the dot com and uh, Stipe was a little, he's loose, but I, I don't know if you've seen in all his, his interviews, it's just, he's really laconic answers, um, kind of quick to the point. I don't know if there's a chip on his shoulder because he's not getting the respect he deserves, but he's the one that seems kind of like, kind of on the verge of being pissed, but like, no, nah, I'm not pissed. But you kind of seem pissed. Nah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm loose. Okay, well, <laughs> you don't sound that way, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas Zingano seems way more relaxed. Like, yeah. I mean, if it's overconfidence or just he just knows what he can do, uh, Ngana just seems just on easy street. Um, and Steve, just, I mean, I, I, again, I think he's just, he's like, hey, I've knocked people out. You know, I think Erickson even said this during the open workout. Hey, you, you have the, the, the your, your CV is perfect. But, uh, you're just not getting the, the respect, and I think it's kind of adding up. Because, I mean, he's, he's looking down the barrel of history, and no one's really talking about that. They're talking about, like, you can get knocked out? You gonna get, you ready to get knocked out? So, it's, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, and everyone else, uh, we did some uh, top ten interviews with other guys. Uh, nothing really big there, but, yeah. 
That's, That's the big story. Yeah, right? I guess I didn't, we didn't even talk about Cormier and uh, old, uh, Vulcan. But, yeah, well, Cormier yeah, was... Yeah, he was chill too. He's always he's always he's on a whole nother level than what I remember seeing him years back. His comfort level. I don't know if that came from just once he finally obtained a belt at one point. I don't know if it's because of his time in front of the camera with Fox and all these guys. He just the way he carries himself throughout fight weeks feels so different than what I think when I first met him. I think it's all of the above. Uh obviously you can't uh, take away the the fact that all the reps he's had in front of TV. Just you know, he's already he's always been kind of a natural showman, and now that he has the chops and the reps, he's that that ability is just you know just way more polished. Because when he like ripped the mic from uh, Megan and just did his whole like he did a whole spiel, ramp get revving up the crowd. I was like, damn, that's really good. That's and he's getting smart too because he's realizing there's that's where kind of you make your money now in the sport is that you have to get these people behind you and really excited. You mm-hmm. can't. I mean, it's and Gano's getting away with pure physical prowess to get people to like, holy crap, he might kill Stipe. Cormier is gonna have to go with the, I'm the baddest man. You know, he's gonna sell the crowd. So, but he's doing a great job of it. Yeah. Well, let's hop over to our right as well. Matt, you are like our, our resident Boston guy. In fact, you think we're, we're staying in the exact building that you guys stayed at the last time. But give me your thoughts on being back here in Boston and, and some of the things that maybe have stood out from you. I guess we could still just think about, uh, we'll keep it in terms of the open workout night, but some of the things that maybe stood out for you, either the guys working out in the, the cage, some of the things they sent, but uh, how, how does it feel to be back here in Boston covering another UFC yeah, event? Yeah, I, I love this city. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. A, because there's just old shit here, and I love old shit. I love old shit. Uh, they don't. You are quite the antique. I, if yeah. people don't know, Erickson loves him some fucking antique roadshow well, stuff. I love places that don't tear everything down and, and build something new. Hey, sure. watch your back. I know, man. I know. And I'm talking to two guys who live in Vegas. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Vegas too. But, I mean, like, a sad day for me is like when the Sahara goes away. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. would go down to the Sahara and be like, this is awesome, man. Like, you know, like the Beatles stayed here. Like, this is yeah. the coolest place ever, right? Why do you got to tear this down? <clears throat> so I love Boston because of old stuff. Uh, I love Boston because it's a great food city. You know, like it's great seafood out here. Uh, you just can't go wrong with Has, so much stuff. We've had some that, great chowder. Yeah. Every place, has been, their chowder is better than uh, last. I mean, you know, like you got Harvard right across the river. Uh, I love Boston because there's been so many amazing movies that have been set here. Uh, it's just a great city, and it's a, it's a walkable city. You don't want to walk around right now because it's just ass cold and miserable. <laughs> but if you come here, in, you know, in the summer or the spring or the fall, it's a great city to walk around in. And it's a great sports town, which is what we get to experience every time the UFC comes here. Sure. They love to come here, as we saw two years ago. That you know, I think they kind of build these um, these mid to late January events around the assumption that okay, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have a pay per view on Saturday night because we know that on Sunday the Patriots are going to be playing to go to the Super Bowl again. You know what I mean? It's uh, so I think that's kind of a little bit of a Dana thing. Yeah. Uh, so you can probably count on that for the foreseeable future, since the Patriots are always good. <laughs> Uh, but it's just—it's a great sports town. The Celtics are in town tonight. The Bruins were in town last night. Yep. You got the UFC here Saturday night. The Patriots are playing on Sunday. It's a—you can really actually feel the buzz out feel, there. You're right. When you and I were downstairs, uh, downstairs eating across the street earlier tonight, it was packed. all these Celtics fans are there because they're walking down the block to go yeah. to the game. 
uh, that's going on right now. And, yep. and it, it's just a great buzz around here. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I, and I feel you. And, and you kind of brought me back to, we saw Dana, Dana came out last night and did his, uh, sort of obligatory, Hey guys, I'm so pumped up. How are you guys doing? But there was also another guest that, that, that was there as well to be, uh, Nurmagomedov was there as well. I don't know how much you guys paid attention to anything that he really said, but I happened to see some of the stuff where he was sort of talking to Dana, where they felt like they were cordial, but not like the best of friends. But what I want to ask you guys is we know that tomorrow is going to be the press conference that comes up and it's going to be him and Tony. Is it going to be for the interim belt? Or are we going to finally hear tomorrow that one lightweight champ has been stripped of the belt? What are we going to hear tomorrow? What do you guys think? I think that's the last kind of piece of the news that's missing um, from this week in terms of that particular fight. Kind of, It kind of slowly got broken, <laughs> like from some Russian website, then BJPenn.com confirmed it. But then... Oh, doesn't get more reputable than that. Exactly. And then, then Dana himself came out. Um, and confirmed it's, it's on. And then, and then after that, we all got a, an official press release earlier today just letting us all know that, hey, guys, we've got a, a press conference uh, tomorrow uh, for Triple Two and Two Two Three, so the the Edgar Holloway mm-hmm. main event, and then obviously Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. However, the press release did specifically state that uh, Ferguson is the interim champion. So based upon that, given the fact that it's 24 hours before the press conference, would perhaps lead me to believe that that might be the way they're going. But what I really think is going to happen is Dana White is going to come out and the very first thing he's going to say is, FYI, we have stripped Conor McGregor and this fight is for the undisputed championship. Dana White's gone on record as saying that he was going to do that anyway, literally just a few days ago, after the St. Louis Fox um, um, FS1 post-show. So I guess that's the final piece of the the puzzle for this week's fight announcement. And 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 I'm 99% sure we're going to hear that said tomorrow night, that Conor McGregor has been stripped of the lightweight championship. I'm only 50-50 on it. Obviously, I think that's... We could hear that for sure. But I also feel like he, you know, when he, when Dana said if he's going to be out until September, that's almost two years, unacceptable. I feel like they're going to wait to give him one more chance, right, to say, okay, 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 I'll fight in July. And if he fights in July, they're not going to strip him, right? Uh, so I feel like they'll they'll give him just that extra little week, two weeks, three weeks even, and then if there's no response from Connor, if he's not made up his mind. At some point before UFC 223, yeah, they'll strip him. I, I just I'm a coin toss whether or not it's going to be announced tomorrow or they're gonna we're gonna hear it three weeks down the road. I just feel if they announce the fight um, at the press conference to the fans and everybody watching on the stream, because uh, that's when the wider public is really going to know about this fight. And if they don't say it's for the undisputed championship, I think there's going to be a major backlash. Um, from from the fan base, especially the hardcore fan base. I think so as well. Right? I, I, at least that's kind of like what I'm feeling. I mean, it just feels, it already feels such a shame that we're having these lightweight belt that's been sitting off of here, and now we have this interim belt. Now the fact that we're starting to get defenses of an interim belt is just... Never stopped there, it before. I know, but the fact you know that there's saying? no injury, there's nothing involved, it's just the fact that a guy doesn't want to fight right now. And it's just, that hasn't worked for anybody else. And it, he's just this rare gem that he's able to kind of get by it. And it's like, I get it. He's a cash cow, whatever. But for the sanctity of the sport or of like every other guy that's grinding to get to the belt, 
make it be worthwhile. Don't make this fucking asterisk of like this is an interim. We're gonna we're gonna give them a little more time. I feel like they've given plenty of time, and I'm the same way. I, I just I feel like I will be sick to my stomach if they say it's an interim title. And but if why it have is, a press conference though? Like it gets to the point of like, well, why why do a press conference to announce? I mean, the, right? Just an interim. Well, I think they do a press conference to announce because they've tried to put this fight together three times, four four times or whatever it's been, and it keeps falling apart and it keeps not happening. So now let's get everybody re-excited again for the fourth time that it's mm-hmm. finally going to happen, and it's a good opportunity to do it because you got a lot of eyeballs on these yeah. uh, on this event this weekend and everything else. But, but yeah, it's a sham that all these interim belts exist, and yeah, the hardcore fans are going to be furious. But they've been furious a thousand times before, sure. and and you know what is a the, backlash? The UFC is when, never when you say a fan backlash. What does that actually really mean? It's I and mean, it's never mattered enough for them to, to do anything else. Lots so. of angry tweets, right? But uh, Khabib but it hasn't get, changed. With he got the, a huge with, pop from the Boston crowd yesterday, that which was, was weird, though, right? Which, you know what I mean? I don't these know. Are, these are supposed to be Connor people. They, that's what he thought as well, and he was like, "No, these people like me." Yeah, you know? and I was like, well, it was, "Connor it was, may have people turning on because of the." I think they just like champions. I think this town likes fighters. They like people that get in there and compete, especially with such a a pedigree of sports that come here. I think they respect guys that are willing to get in there and grind. You want to know what I think? I think MMA fans are full of shit. I think (laughs) MMA fans will cheer for whoever's in front of them most of the time. You know what I'm saying? Some places they don't because we've been in places where uh, Daniel has been outright just booed and yelled. Well, that's what I said to him yesterday, remember? like yesterday they were loving him. DC, how do you figure people out? Because half the time you go someplace and you got people booing you like crazy, and then you come here and they're cheering you like crazy. So how do you figure out what the response is going to be and when it's going to be? Because he hasn't changed how he is ever. He's just – that's who he is. And half the time they hate him and half the time they love him. So how can you figure these people out? So if it yeah if it ha- tomorrow tomorrow comes and Dana gets up there and he says, "All right, folks, this is gonna be an interim title belt." Are you gonna be upset, Sandu? I will be upset because I think it it would be disgraceful if that's the route that they took. Um, like everybody else, honestly, I think everyone's just fed up uh, with these interim titles just for the sake of putting fights together on pay-per-views and things of that nature. Um, and, and it's going to be so sad that if it's for the interim title, you're already going to have a guy in Max Holloway sitting there uh, where some people still dispute the, 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 the lineage of that particular championship because Conor never defended it. Right. And for that to potentially happen now again to you know guys like Ferguson and, and Habib, it'll, be, it'll be, just be disgusting. And, uh, and I, I will, this, is, this will probably be the most upset I'd be in quite some time. Um, if that's what happens however saying that I go back to what I said before and I'll back it up with a bit more this is uh, Dana White's hometown right Boston this is where he grew up right I think that place is going to be packed tomorrow anyway because I think this is a big fight and the fans are going to come out in force when Dana White says that this is going to be for the undisputed championship that place the roof will come off I think because I think everyone's going to be so excited about the prospect of there being a legitimate champion now and they're not kind of you know bending to the knees of Connor and you know the the, the golden carrot that you know will he or won't he fight anytime soon, um, and and I and I think the UFC just need and perhaps even this event needs that sort of injection because mm. honestly we still don't know what the ceiling is on a Khabib and a Tony Ferguson draw as pay per view headliners. Sure. So I think you say that's for the undisputed championship, but we're going to move forward. That's that's going to be a positive step in the right direction. 
It's the best play, honestly. Like, especially if you're gonna if you're gonna try to like make a big deal and have a press conference and say rather than just say like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this again. It's what you expect. It's still for the inter- that's just that's just too low. You can almost just like just announce it like any other thing, you know, like a, or have it as a part of your this is your next push for the next whatever. But to actually go the, the extra mile and say we're gonna have a press conference and all these things, these portents are coming out. It just would be, I don't know, bad to like get people's hopes up and then just not deliver. Yeah. Well, I'm glad as an employee of Pepsi that you have that. Uh, Pepsi thought, is a very you know? I'm uh, glad strong they allow you to share that MMA. thought. They don't whip you for saying anything that possibly could go against the company. By the way, fans listen to this. Yeah. My mom does. So Morgan's mom does. There, I might did, be a, there might be a couple. I didn't others. really mean the full shit thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what I meant by that was. All those fans that cheered and went crazy for Habib yesterday, do you think they would have cheered the same for Connor if Connor would have showed up yesterday? I bet you they fucking would have. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that's why I say MMA fans are full of shit. That's what I meant. They cheer for who's right in front of them right now because, oh, my God, this is awesome because they don't see these people all the time yeah. like we do. But do you think, do you think <clears throat> MMA fans have to only take one? Do you think they have to pick sides no, and hold it? Like They not. can honestly cheer not. for Habib. He comes out and does his workout and then say Connor came out. He might even get a bigger pop, but I think it's all right to, to like two different competitors. I don't think we have to throw our hat fully in into the ring, but but when you're talking about the guy who's been ripping Connor like crazy, sure, and you're in a quote unquote Connor City. I mean, this city is crawling with with they, Irish. There is heavy you know Irish I mean? here. <laughs> This is a Connor town, man. I, mean, so I think you're kind of right, though. It's also, I think, that what you think I'm thinking of, like, with Cormier, is that you, for a long time he was getting booed, mostly because he had the John Jones loyalists um, in the background, expecting the great one to come back and just smash Cormier. So they were holding out hope. But now that that's pretty much been dashed, and they're kind of, you have all these people like, eh, I feel like Cormier's getting, kind of looks like the good guy. It look, much, does look like the good guy. He looks yeah. like the honest fighter. So it's, they're kind of, I think there's a, a certain goodwill been fostered yeah. since then. And same thing with the uh, Khabib. He just, he wins. He's a beast. And I think that people just respect that. Like you said, they respect fighters. They respect people who like grind. They respect fighters that win. So, and also, you know, Connor's losing all that good faith uh, by just antics and not fighting. So. Yeah. Well, it could be very interesting. I, I think we'll all hold our breath and see what happens tomorrow. But before we uh, end this segment and with some good audio, I want to take it back over to Francis and Stipe and just get your thoughts a little bit. How excited are you on that fight? And if you, if you feel you, know, you want to, to give us your prediction, you know, I know I'm going to get some grief um, from certain people here because my pick has been opposite of all my other picks in life. And you're a disgusting person. Yes, I am. I am. But um, your thoughts uh, – Sandu on that fight, and who are you taking for that main event? Yeah, I'm so excited about this fight. I have been uh, the minute I na- uh, they announced it. Um, I was in Detroit. Um, I, I watched, you know, Ngannou um, pr- provide us all with the uh, the knockout of the year. I think consensus knockout of the year. Um, and seeing him do that live, and the same, seeing the way he carried himself, he just feels like a much bigger deal. Um, it's it's a it's a meteoric rise, uh, considering you know only what four plus years ago he had he didn't know what the hell MMA was, and to be fighting for the heavyweight championship, given his background, given his story, which is now starting to become you know much better documented in more stories. Uh, fascinating story. And on the other side, I, I love Stipe's story too. Here's a guy that's still a part-time firefighter. Um, you know you. 
put him in the right market like a Cleveland and the place as we saw the, the roof comes off yeah. it's just fantastic right speaking of the fact did you guys see when the firefighters came up and handed, yeah. gave him the little sweatshirt yesterday it was beautiful well, I thought that was awesome because like you could see the emotion that Stipe got from right. it but also seeing the other firefighters like He's one of us, and he's exactly. out like destroying dudes. I was completely blown away by it. I was very, very moved. So yeah, uh, we have. Uh, I'm. I know there's been some clips out there, from, but if you guys didn't, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you'll see. Um, search the web, find some clips. You'll see Stipe get a, a sweatshirt um, from the vol- uh, some firefighters here in town. It was it was really cool to see. It really was, and you know. But putting that aside, the, the guys coming off this amazing run of, of wins and knockouts, and there's so much on the line for him too. Um, even though it's kind of, I suppose, flying a little bit under the radar because everyone's just, you know, really emotionally invested in the in the potential of Ngannou uh, providing us yet with another knockout and becoming the champion. But Stipe Miocic, if he wins tomorrow, will you know, have the the record for the most title defenses in the heavyweight division, uh, you know, in UFC history, which is just crazy, and that just goes to show, you know, it hasn't been done before. You got Francis Ngannou, this Cameroonian mountain of a man, coming in, and in the promo, he looks like you know he's been in the lab, um, being yeah. constructed in some you know high tech facility. And um, yeah, in terms of my prediction, yeah, you know I'm going for a Francis Ngannou knockout. Um, uh, trust me, I really believe Miocic can knock him out too. They're heavyweights, and he's got an cr- incredible knockout rec- you know run at the moment. Um, but I'm just really, you know, invested in Francis. Um, there's this—he's got that star quality, that X factor. You know, when you just, you know, and you know, you guys, you know, have been in this sport, in this industry, way longer than I have behind the scenes. You've seen fires up close and personal on so many occasions. You just know, you get this gut feeling when you see some, uh, you know, a fighter. That's a champion, and that's the feeling I get every time I've seen Francis Ngannou, especially as of late. I dig it. Fiasco, I'm gonna probably leave. You, I'm gonna leave you out on this one, probably, unless you feel confident coming uh, out and saying who. Yeah, no, I do. Uh, right, just because go uh, I'm going more with the. Obviously, I agree with everything you just said because the, 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 exactly. But I'm gonna go with the opposite route because I'm gonna let my heart play the, uh, the, the 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 decider role and go with the block O because uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, Stipe is getting kind of counted out, and I do think that his record's strong. I, I'm not looking past the fact that, that you know, Angano is the mountain that walks, and uh, it's going to be a challenge, a crazy challenge. But I, I think Steve A. smart, and his coaches are smart, and I think that they're not going to make a kind of an over-sized mistake in there and play to Angano's game. And he's a champ, so I'm, I don't know. I, and I want to see that history made. I want to <laughs> see that history made. So I, unlike some people on this table, um, I support Ohio. <laughs> That's a burn towards me, but I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I think Ohio is a shithole country. <laughs> to be honest with you. Hold on, you. I got to turn oh, this mic down. Hold on. Let me turn this mic up. I thought you were just like, okay, we're rewinding this and we're going to delete that. I do think Ohio That's is a shithole beep, country. Uh, but I, I live in Indiana, and Indiana is even more of a shithole country. That's uh, true. You know what? I am picking uh, Stipe. Oh, look at this. I yeah. didn't see this coming. You didn't? No. Uh, I agree. I mean, if Francis hits anything the right way, it's going down. And I'm including, like, airplanes and aircraft <laughs> carriers. Like, he could hit an aircraft carrier and, like, flip it off its feet like he did with Overeem. He's going to be our first responder in war. We're just going to send Francis <laughs> over to hit something. Stipe, like and you, we all, we've seen Stipe has power, but Stipe don't have that kind of power. Sure. But he does have power, and I think he is – 
more suited to being around in the third round right. than perhaps Francis is. Now, you know, you've had you, – we've seen fights where guys say, well, I could be the best wrestler in the world, but I've never had to wrestle, so how does anybody know? Francis could be ready to go 10 rounds for all we know. He just hasn't had to do it. But I feel like as long as Stipe can get past the first round and maybe get past the first half of the, of the second round, the fight's his to win. I think he'll be able to, to wear him down. I don't know that it goes the distance, but I think as long as he can withstand being able to get hit right on the chin, and if he does, as long as he can get through it kind of the way he and, – and survive it the way he did in that Overeem fight in Cleveland – I mean, remember, he, got, he was about to get his ass kicked and lose his title yep. uh, when he rallied and, and came back. Uh, if he can avoid a situation like that, I'm going to go with Stipe. But it would not surprise me one bit to see the thing done in 30 seconds and Stipe looking up at the at the ceiling. But I'm, I am taking Stipe. Well, and, and before we hand it off some audio here, I think that was the biggest part where any question marks for me, it's, it's the stamina. It's... The endurance. We see that Stipe can make it there. We've never seen Francis take those big, heavy, super strong, scary muscles deep into the rounds. And and Fiasco, you noticed it while both of us were shooting um, the warm up or the workout, and you were, were as well. And I know there was that point where after that yeah. first round of hitting, Francis looked like he got a little winded. Yeah, yeah so he's like, he was throwing those punches extremely hard. And and, and I said there could have been a, there could have been an adrenaline spike with all the crowd. He was playing to it. He's putting a little extra pop, a little extra zing in there. But it's hard to, you know, when you're used to really looking for those fine things, like to see that fine detail of, okay, he's he's really starting to break a sweat. Like he's really looks like he might be getting a little tired. That's the only question mark that I have when it comes to Francis. But there is no question when it comes to that power. I just feel that even if he doesn't get a completely clean shot on Stipe. Stipe, while he is tough and he has a great chin, I think he might be overconfident in that chin and be willing to stick it out a little bit more that if if Francis is able in that first one to two rounds to to land even 60% shots multiple times on that chin, I think that's going to be enough to drop him. But Stipe, like you said, does have some power. So unless there's any other final thoughts on this particular... So here's the thing. This table, right? We're two to two. Two right? to two. Yeah. So let me give you a little spoiler alert for on midday Friday when everybody's looking to the MMA Junkie staff picks. We have 14 people to do these things now. And since I'm the one that has to corral them all, spoiler alert, but it's right down the freaking middle. No wow. shit. So <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that, and that's how it was the first, uh, the first show of the season, too, yeah. with uh, Stevens and Choi. We were seven to seven. Uh, but I think that just shows you where. I feel like probably the fans' perception of this fight is as well. Like, probably, yeah, man, mm-hmm. we could see you know Stipe just get lifted off his feet and his head in the third row, or we or could see not. him just like <laughs> beat the shit out of this guy like in blue collar Stipe firefighter fashion. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's a cool fight, and you know, like you get a little bit jaded sometimes. You do this stuff long enough, and there's enough events that I go to. Where I'm like, I don't care. I'm just here to work. But then sometimes there are fights where you're like, this is a cool-ass fight. Yeah, this is legit. This is one like of them. an electric, just can't wait for Saturday. It's 
Yes. It is great to see the heavyweight fights. There's not there's nothing more exciting than a couple big dangerous dudes just getting in that people just get excited for. And I've got a feeling this Boston crowd oh, they'll is going to really make an amazing uh, atmosphere during the course of the evening. There's so many hometown fighters fighting on this card, um, as as every UFC card. Um, but I think you know Boston, um, you know. And perhaps unlike other places, you know, really gets behind their own to a, to a different level. So that'll be cool the, in terms of building to a crescendo before that heavyweight title fight. The heavyweight fights that I've that I've been to, especially when you have guys that are just scary. Like when you're around him, you're just like, wow, that he's a scary, scary person. I've had legitimate fear butterflies in my stomach at press row before, thinking about things like, God, like. Frank Mir could get really, really seriously hurt by Brock Lesnar. Like, I could watch a near murder here. I don't want to see it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, things like that. Yeah. And, and and that's the kind of fear that, like, I feel like Francis can put in people, too, which is what makes this so interesting. You know, you know what's funny? Um, just to segue from what you were just saying there, Matt, I actually asked Francis today, and I, and I asked him, I said, are you scared of your power? Are you scared of what your potentially capable of doing with just one punch doesn't doesn't even you know think about it it's like why would i be afraid of my power yeah. no one's hitting me with this <laughs> that was his response he was like why would i have to be afraid of my power no one's hitting me with this um and then in terms of doing damage in the octagon absolutely has no hey, you know what i'll say one other thing too on this if 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 francis wins speaking as a guy who got to visit the continent of africa for the first time last year what a cool situation that puts the UFC in, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. I was in South Africa, which is kind of, you know, it's a little bit different than, like, you know, Central Africa, like where Cameroon is, you know. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm assuming a very, very different country Cameroon would be than, than South Africa. But fantastic situation, potentially, for the UFC to be able to break into that continent and, and do some things there. Could be very cool. You know, you know what's crazy. I, there's, I think there's fans, journalists, and this is still a relatively new sport. How cool would it be if we, as a sport, as an industry, as a collective, as a community, got our version of Rumble in the Jungle? You know, you, you take uh, Francis Ngannou if he becomes a champion, um, and you, whether you do the the Stipe rematch or you give him another, you know, contender, Man. just to take that entire event to. I don't know, somewhere safe in Africa, right? That you can run an event, open sky arena, you know, it's not going to rain in there. Take a good time of year, right? Um, just visually. Soccer and, stadium in Cape Town, man. I'm right? telling you, that would be, that would be, that would be cool. I'm, I'm down for that, yeah. no doubt about it. But like, you know, how cool would that be to, to take a, you know, every once in a while, I think the UFC does landmark events. You know, I think of uh, the Rogers Center in Toronto, um, and uh, you know the the, the Ronda Holly fight, the Ronda yeah. Holly fight, and you know in Australia, and then they did a, the the Brazil, all the the, 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 the all Rio, Brazil card, the first Rio exactly. Cards. You know, doing something like they did it an all nighter in in Stockholm, the arena with yeah. Gustafsson and Anthony UFC one nineteen in Indianapolis. There you go. And every once in a while, I think they need to do, <laughs> to do a landmark event, and I think this would be easily top five landmark events and in, in, especially in terms of how they could potentially all the promotional tools there to build up an event like this would be incredible dibs uh, <laughs> sorry it's done i'm the only one that's been there i so just wanted to also say by the way it was really the lad culture of you to say uh, triple three or triple two and two two three <laughs> well that's a whole nother discussion but let's let's hear from the champ himself let's hear from steve amiotis when it was brought up 
about him being the underdog and talking power and all these things. And what we'll let him tell you what he thinks about all that nonsense. Everyone's talking about I hope so. I mean, a lot of people don't think that, and then they wake up looking at the lights. Can you stand with him? I can stand with anyone, but I'm, I'm going to do what I do. You know, I have the best coaches in the world, have a great game plan, and I'm going to walk out and execute, and one I'll walk out and still. Oh, I'm concerned about everyone's power, not just his. I mean, it's heavyweight division. It doesn't matter who it is. Guy might not be a great striker, but this takes one in the heavyweight division. It's how I am every week, every fight week, man. I'm always lose. How much does that help you when you have to fight like this? Oh, always, man. Listen, it's business, man. It's it's, it's a sport. You know, I'm going to do my job. Um, I love what I do. If I didn't love what I do, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, and the minute I stop love doing this, I'm gonna be out. I'm done. Wow. But I love doing it. I love hanging up with coaches. We're having a great time. Tonight, go work out, get a good dinner, go play some Euchre and call it a night. You used to not love this part of it. I hated it. Do you still hate it? You're uh, so especially better. you, yes. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. You I was a complete lie. Over the last couple years, everybody's noticed. Yeah. Kind of yeah, just like anything, just like with fighting. The more you do it, the better it gets. You know, it's just, uh, I think it just does anything, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's fun, you know, if it wasn't for the fans, you know, we wouldn't be here right now. So I just, I mean, really, I'm trying to have a conversation, and you're at, I'm joking, what's up? Whatever makes you feel good at night, whatever makes him sleep, I mean, honestly. I'm afraid of no man. I'm afraid of my wife. Not him, though. I mean, not to imply that you are anywhere, but he does look different. I mean, some of his knockouts have been incredible to watch. I mean, do, do you see him as being in any way different from anyone else that you found? I mean, do you... Oh, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's the same. No question. He's a big dude. He hits hard. I mean, he's going to come out throwing bombs and, you know, I'm going to be ready for it. Of course. I, I mean, he's a tough guy. I mean... But I'm going to go out there and do my best. I'm going to give it all I got like I always do. I'm going to go out there and fight. He knows he's going to be in a fight. I hope he knows he's coming. there's a fight coming this Saturday. It's going to happen. I'm putting a fight on him. You seem passionate about making that point. I do every, every time I fight. Listen, I don't care who it is. I mean, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do what I got to do to win. I mean, listen, I, I, I love fighting in Cleveland. I do. I just... But it was, it, was, it was tough. The first time it was tough. I wasn't used to it. And if we did it again, 100% I'd do it again. There's no question. I always take a different step back. And, you know, I feel like I was Ticketmaster. I was trying you know, like chopping with tickets. But, I, you know, I, listen, I love Cleveland. I love the fight there again. I, and it's, it's tough, but I, I, I know how to, like, handle it this time. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to worry about anyone else. Everyone texts me a thousand texts. You know, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting ready for a fight, you know, and just doing my thing. Given your resume, how would you feel? Yes. Okay, then. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to it, dude. Honestly, I'm so used to it by now. Honestly, it just, you know, what else? I love being the underdog because I shut everyone up. And then they make up some excuse why I, didn't, why I won, that guy wasn't ready or some shit. Who knows? I don't know. I don't really care. What's what the sport's all about? That's what the sport's all about, man. It's like a Jerry Springer show, man, you know? You know, it's all about the soap opera. You know, bring a new guy in, you know, maybe, maybe. we'll see what happens Saturday night. I'm walking out and still, you know, unfortunately, no one's going to be champ until I leave. So. It's not like you don't have the knockouts, too. You do. Yeah. 100% I do, but listen, I'm, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do my job. That's what I do every time. You know, I know he's a big, tough guy, strong, hits hard, but so do I. I pack a little punch. I might be a little smaller than him, but all good.
All right, and there's Stipe, and uh, well, it's good to hear from the champ, and uh, certainly believes in himself. But you know who else believes in themselves? Our new guest on the show here to the right, Danny Austin. What up? What up? What up? <laughs> Hello. That was good. See, if you did all your little like screams like that, called voice effects. I was gonna <laughs> something else, like like Geordie LaForge from Star Trek: Next Generation. Oh yeah, do do so, do a laser sound. I right, do a robot. Can you do a Boston accent? That's what it sounds like to me. And I just realized I completely gave the wrong reference. Jordy LaForge from Star Trek Next Generation wasn't known for any sound effects. He you're thinking of the, you're thinking of the guy I from... I'm thinking of the guy from Police Academy. How did I have messed that one up? That's kind of like I didn't just know saying... what the hell you're talking about. I was like, you're running with it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. We'll, we'll just leave that one alone. That was a Me Too moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. God. So, hey, today we all got uh, the the luxury of going to a place that most of us probably don't ever get to go to. And we got to go to Fenway Park for the Media Day action. So, uh, I don't know. You guys, I know you guys are sports fans. I know uh, not everybody here was maybe knew um, some of the big stories or just the, the, the history behind Fenway Park. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, was that, that was pretty cool to get a chance to go there, right? I mean, for me, just being in the place where Kurt Schilling, you know, put paint on his hand and then rubbed it on the back of his sock in the 2004 World Series. <laughs> uh, you that know, that fake paint. blood was such a moment. <laughs> Uh, just for me as a Toronto Blue Jays fan, uh, the place where, you know, Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz are alleged to have put PDs in their butt. Uh, just being in that <laughs> space, you know, what a, what a moment. the history that, that you do. Yeah. <laughs> Go Jays. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just based off that history alone, it made today that much more special for me as well. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about. No, I, A, I have no idea what you're talking about. But B, um, I haven't really followed baseball at all in my life. I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar with, like, you know, the big franchise teams here in the U.S. So there's a bat involved. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> I, I already have, you know, cricket. I'm going to say, yeah. you're going to make a cricket, cricket reference in there somewhere. No, we'll probably hear crickets if I do. Um, <laughs> but just being there and just knowing the history, knowing it's the oldest ballpark in America, you know, learning a little bit about the monster. The green monster. The green monster, right? Um, and it was actually cool to be there with other Bostonian um media guys because they were like oh this is like so cool for me to be in yeah. here and work and like it's really cool but yeah it, 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 was, it was cool um obviously i don't have any emotional attachment to it sure. um or whatsoever um but i suppose to share a, a story that does kind of tie into my roots in england uh, the same owners of the Boston Red Sox also own Liverpool FC. Oh, and boo. so and so what the owners did <laughs> now Liverpool FC ha, you know had or has still uh, an old football uh, stadium an old football arena, right? And uh, for years and years and years there was talks about knocking it all down and and building a brand new one from scratch, a modern uh, state of the art stadium. But uh, but remind me, who owns the Boston Red Sox? Anyone here can help me with that? John Henry. John Henry, right? So John Henry wanted to do the same thing to Liverpool FC that he did here at Fenway Park, which is keep the original uh, and just try and make it 
better by modernizing it and refurbishing it and that's exactly what they've done and what they are doing with Anfield because they care so much about the history um, of the ground yeah. it means so much to people that you know you can't knock it down and you can't just start from scratch just to modernize and become corporate America all over it and, so and from I that think, perspective it was pretty cool for me and I think that John Henry I mean the history of Red Sox is being a bunch of losers uh, <laughs> and I think that John Henry now owning Liverpool you know, we can celebrate Michael Thomas's out. 1989 <laughs> Premier League winning goal for Arsenal. What, right. what Just, hotel are you staying at? <laughs> <laughs> Come at me. And I mean, like, truly, the, like, possibly the greatest moment in Arsenal history came against a John Henry team. So, um, for me personally, you know, it's John Henry just represents some of the great losses in history, and it was so <laughs> fucking cool. Well, who knows what losses what we're going to see this Saturday, but speaking to all the people that were there, uh, they had quite a, a selection of fighters that were there today. They also did have some pretty tasty lobster rolls and uh, clam chowder. Did you guys partake? I didn't have any chowder, unfortunately. Chowder? No, no chowder for me. You didn't? No. You don't like, you don't like chowder, or you don't like, you don't like seafood? I'm not a seafood guy, no. Really, I had like chicken Alfredo for, for for dinner today. You missed out on the on the lobster rolls too. That was that was that was tight. Did I you keep hearing for, for two rolls? years. I thought that I had a shellfish allergy yeah. based on a weird reaction that I got like literally two years ago. And then a week and a half ago, I ate shrimp by accident and didn't get a reaction. So I allowed myself to eat the clam chowder today. It was delicious. And guys, I'm not allergic to shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you got to figure out what it was. I have no idea. <laughs> Good, good stuff. Norovirus. You had norovirus. <laughs> right. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. At least been, I got we've been hearing sh- about bad bouts of norovirus here lately. Um, well, I guess were there, was there anybody that uh, stood out? Well, eventually we're going to go and we're going to talk DC and, and Vulcan, but were there any people there that you were excited to see? Somebody that maybe said some quote that uh, pulled you out of left field? I mean, uh, who, who stood out for you today? I mean, we're talking about DC later, so... Yeah, we're going to talk DC Yeah, later. so, I mean... I, like DC is the best interview on most fight weeks these these years, and he was amazing. But I will say, uh, Volante was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, he always is, but uh, he's he a was big, very relaxed. Yeah, he it, was very relaxed. You know, and and, and we'll get to a quote because I'm gonna play because me and Maddie actually happened to run into Chris Weidman, so we actually got a little update, and so I'll play that little audio in a second. But John was very very relaxed today. Very, yeah, very loose. And I will say that, like you know, you guys all operate primarily online. I operate in print, so I am looking for a certain type of quote, oftentimes. And uh, if you're gonna drop comparing Francis Ngannou to Brock Lesnar, that really really works for me. And Volante just basically spent two minutes explaining how um, both Lesnar and Francis were guys who your average person would be terrified to be in an elevator with, and. You know, he's he's good friends with Stipe. Let's keep that in mind. But he was like, look, we saw what happens when one of those guys hits an elite MMA guy when Kane and, and Brock fought, and we're going to see the same thing. And I'm just really grateful that he knew to give me such a print-ready comment because it was great. And, uh, you know, he's a charming guy. It was fun. You guys said it earlier. I'm, I was only interested in the top four. So it was just nice for him to, you know, throw me that bone. Sure. Anybody else uh, besides uh, DC and, and Vulcan that stood out for you today? Uh, you know what's crazy? Um this is the first time that I've been involved in a, a media day for a pay-per-view card where I haven't been able to talk to um, basically anyone outside of the top four. It's crazy. The, the DC um, scrum was about 15 minutes. Then I was waiting in line for Volcan. And then I got finally got to Francis, finally got to Stipe. And then honestly, by the time I'd wrapped up those four interviews or those scrums, 
I had time and I wanted to get to Gian Volante and I co-signed what Danny said. Volante was really good value today. Yeah. He, he always kind of is. He's just a fun dude to talk to. Yeah. Um, and, and um and you know me and chris white almost pulled off uh, uh, a prank on him right towards the end um which unfortunately couldn't happen because uh ariel hawani wanted to do his one-on-one with him so it kind of like got in got in our way bad bad hawani man Hawaii. come on Hawaii's trying to kill fun. <laughs> take his accreditation <laughs> yeah um so it's crazy like you know it, this is the first time in a very long time where all I spoke to today were the top four guys and John Volante, and I got a quick interview with Chris Weidman as well. Um, I didn't speak to the local guys. We got time with, with uh, most of them yesterday mm-hmm. at the open workouts anyway, sure. I suppose. Um, so it was kind of good to see kind of their passion and just starting to flow with the with the prospect of kind of having a home game and TD Garden means so much to these guys and especially yeah, fighting in front of their, their home fans, right? Um, but, um, but I think everything's just about this main and co-main but definitely the main event you know uh, yeah. and that's what's going to sell this card and that's what people are talking about because like I keep saying it is the most anticipated heavyweight title fight in maybe the last five six years you know yeah. it's, it's insane I'm, I'm really like anxious to see this fight go down and I love all uh, you've been bringing a bunch of new technology toys and mm. stuff and I, I mm. happen to uh stumble onto one of those today right. what was that that you were you were streaming yeah because i saw you in there you were setting something up and i didn't realize that you were streaming live so. yeah well you should know because we've been speaking about you've seen kind of like the technical difficulties of how this device well, the yeah, last yeah. three events well, i didn't realize that you were just going to have it running because there was nobody in the chair yeah you we were doing a setup for for something it else. is worth noting no. that that piece of technology we're using is the first time that i've been like the robots are gonna win the war <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's next level skynet what? is happening <laughs> exactly. yeah um, no, so it's a Mevo Plus live kit. So kind of like you know, the the majority of my gig here is to live stream in India on the Facebook page, and part of like learning more about what works. That's MMA India for those MMA India dot com. Um, so part of what I've been kind of learning over the last kind of six weeks covering these events for MMA India is number one, um, I didn't quite understand how big Facebook was specifically in India compared to all the other social media platforms like Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. It's number one, but like a country mile. People check it out for news and video and you know everything, right? So fake news. It, it, yeah, fake news, right? <laughs> um, so that was the first thing. The other thing is that the kit that I'm actually using, it's 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 great for live streaming in terms mm-hmm. of um, high def broadcast quality and things of that nature, right? So it's literally somebody on the other end uh, can, you know, once the, lo- the stream ends, can essentially rip the video and then start to top and tail all the individual scrums and all the individu- individual interviews to put out on YouTube and then write stories and things of that nature. So it's funny because by the time I end my day, the, the core team, pretty much everyone, the 95% of the workforce that works on the website and the outlet are based in India and they're just waking up. So I'm literally creating content for for them waking up in the morning to edit it, write and transcribe and get stories out. Um, but listen, for me, it's, it's a pretty sweet gig. I literally just stand there, press start, press stop, um, participate in the interview process. Um, I don't have to do any produced content. I'm a one-man band here. Sure. I'm doing some stuff on Twitter and social media for these guys. So all in all, I can't complain. It's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. I just wish there was a little flag or something that says, hey, by the way, this is rolling. So don't 
do, don't look like an asshole and jump in the chair <laughs> there, and start talking to Sandu about his camera. What it, accent did he do? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what it was. It was I think Scottish it was or something. To, yeah, I think yeah. it was that was trying to be Sandu. Consid- considering the the X He's being a racist. Yeah. <laughs> considering the X amount of years you know Cold Coffee has as a videographer, I'm surprised that the the red light at the top of the actual device didn't it's give you some sort of light. Toggle light. Yeah. To be but fair, it's, weird. Yeah. it's a cir- it's, it's a circular it's, light. It's a yeah. circular light that you don't know. I one I didn't really look at because you know I, I always find my my lens and i'm like staring lovingly and like into it it was a good shot yeah that thing is like a like circular like computer of death like that <laughs> is literally a robot that could kill all of us if it wanted to like i don't know if it's on or it eventually um, it's gonna remember it all and it's gonna come after us can i also touch <laughs> one more media day thing in and sure. I'm not trying to be political. I well, will we're going to s- go back to media day, but before okay. before we uh, yeah, do that, because you were you were talking about Weidman, um, me and Maddie were able to chat with him for a second. He gave a quick little update on his health. So, just listen to this little bit and let uh, let uh, Chris tell you how he's doing, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more uh, media day. Let's uh, let's talk about your homies that you got here first. Uh, talk about John first, obviously, and the opportunity he has. In a fight like this, main card. Yeah, he's on uh, the pay review of a huge card, uh, third from the top. So it was up to consider the top, right? So he's uh, uh, right before the co-main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and w- which is a huge, uh, huge opportunity for him to really showcase his skills. Uh, he's a guy that he's fighting that is tough, but it's a fight that I feel like John should showcase, could showcase some a lot of his skills. So it's a good opportunity. When we sat down with him yesterday. He talked about having guys hurt in the last two fights. You know, both Cummins and Shogun, and. and not going in with that kind of that killer instinct. Is that something that you've helped him work on and, and try and track down leading into this fight? You know, it's all about just, you know, kind of, I want him to be able to follow his instincts and not ever be worried about uh, slowing down or anything like that. I'm not worried about the end, just fighting in the moment. Uh, and when he does that, he's unbeatable. And sometimes when you have a guy hurt, You've seen a lot of times where guys expend so much energy trying to finish them, then all of a sudden they're stuck. They're stuck in that octagon for a couple of rounds, and they're not the same fighter they were. So, <clears throat> I think that could get into fighters' heads, and it shouldn't be. You know, I mean, is that something you've experienced in fights? Like that there's head games that go on with you as you're in the middle of such a physical oh, it's situation? All, it's all mental, man. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing is a, it's a head game. You're fighting yourself in there, <clears throat> fighting all you know, self-talking. Uh, the whole time taking out negative thoughts. It's a constant battle. Talk to us a little bit about about Stipe because now you get to kind of support him this week too. And, and what's that relationship been like? Because it hasn't been going on for that long. But but no, we've, you been, guys friend, have been, we've been friends. We've been friends for a long time. Buds. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, I love Stipe. He's a great guy. Uh, he's funny. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that he goes out there and this is, he's going to break the record, I believe, for the most wins ever as a heavyweight champion. So. Uh, he's a really tough test with Francis Ngannou. So again, a huge stage against a guy who's highly hyped, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, talk about, uh, behind him. So if he's able to go out there and finish a guy like that, there's really um, there's no there's no more doubting. Did you work with him a lot for this fight? No, not, no. Not we walked bef- we worked uh, before the last fight though. For for his fight or for your fight? For your fight, right? No, for his fight before his fight, and and my fight we worked. Yeah, it was like we were around the same time. Uh, obviously, I gotta ask you for what your pick is in that fight, but I think I know where you're gonna go. Oh yeah, Sipe. I just think you know, listen, Francis hits you, you're in trouble. But any heavyweight gets hit, you know, they're in trouble. Sipe has uh, five knockouts too, right? In the last uh, couple fights, four in a row, I think. Four for sure. So um, Sipe can knock him out as well, and he's got very quick hands. Uh, he's battle tested. Um, Francis, there's still question marks with, you know, how is he going to hold up against a wrestling uh, pace and uh, five rounds and 
um, being hit with some good shots. So there's a lot more question marks at Felix Francis. Um, uh, and Cipe has way more ways to win, in my opinion. You've done some analyst work, so give us uh, the co-main event too, can you? Cormier um, and Vulcan. And yeah, so honestly, I haven't seen Vulcan uh, fight that much. Um, I know he's you know, he's a good fighter on his feet. He's dangerous uh, with his hands. But I feel like uh, Cormier, again, is just going to be too much for him. How about you, man? You uh, personally, what's going on with you? When are we, when are we going to see you back? Yeah, so I fought in, I fought in July, July against yeah. um, Gaslam, and then I hurt, injured my hand in that fight. And so I had a surgery, and it, it's a, it was a tough surgery. So I'm, I'm out on the sidelines right now trying to heal it up. This is the scar right there. You can see it. I don't know if that's on camera, but um, it's just taking a while. You know, they, it's, they restructure a ligament. So I guess ACLs, are going, you know, they do that similar for, for the ACL too, and it takes a while. So hopefully a couple more months, a month maybe, and uh, it, it heals up and I don't have sharp pain in there. Right now I can punch the bag and, and the mitts all right, but when I, any type of grappling and my thumb gets hit in different directions, it's, um, it's really painful. So I'm not to the point where I can really train the way I need to yet. Is that a, can that work as a positive thing for you, as kind of a refresher just in general? Obviously, the win over Gaslam was so huge for you. We saw how emotional you got needing to come back from, from the rough patches. Uh, but has, will, will being off for maybe a year or so be a, a good thing? Yeah, I hope it's not going to be a year, but um, I think it'll be a good thing. Um, I fought those three fights in eight months, you know, the, my, my, the, my uh, rough patch. Um, so it was really quick. Um, I just wanted to get right back in there and to get a good win over a guy like Gaslam and to see him have that success against Bisbee not too far after that, um, I think solidified me up that I'm back. Um, and you know, all, all those all those losses were great learning experience for me. You know, like I don't think anybody's ever did what I did. No one, no one's ever done what I what I actually accomplished. You know, nine and zero in front of the greatest of all time. I had such a fast rise up into the UFC rankings. Um, I was in the UFC at four and zero. So I didn't really see any. I didn't really have any um, steps backwards until that Luke fight, and um, it took a little bit of time to, to deal with. And I, I got the I got the hard times out of the way, and I learned from them. And um, right now I feel great, and I feel like I'm the best in the world. I have to go out. I just have to get healthy and be able to show that. When you watch a fight like Gaslam and Bisping, as a fan, I'm sure you're watching, going, "Hey, cool, great fight, right?" But then as as a, a a business person for yourself, you've got to be also sitting there going, "This actually is fantastic for me that he won this fight." Yeah, it's good, but I don't get really into that type of stuff okay. because at the end of the day, I don't know what it really does for me, to be honest. Um, does more for for media and fans than, yeah, than it does for I you mean, guys as fighters. Yeah, because I mean, I, I don't hang my hat on that. You know, I know I have to just win one fight at, at a time, and uh, good things happen. And him having a good fight against Bisbing um, is not, it wasn't really something I was really surprised about. I know a lot of other people were. Um, and I don't know what it really, I don't know if it actually does too much for me. Sure. All right, man, we'll look forward to seeing you back again later this year, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. You, man. Thanks, boss. All right, and there's Chris Weidman. And sorry, Danny, I, I rudely interrupted you. Want to you want to tell us your very important story? I want to make sure that didn't sound condescending. <laughs> <laughs> not my small little story at all. It's not a small little story. No, I wanted to say because you asked about sort of highlights of media day, and I was trying to avoid the big fighters. But uh, Francis Ngannou did, to his credit, I asked him. He is from Cameroon. He is from a West African country. Uh, I asked him about. Uh, Trump's shithole country's comment, which sure. was directly related to Africa. So I felt it was appropriate to ask a prominent a African athlete. And he took a very strong stance, which I think is, you know, regardless of your politics, is very brave for anyone to do two days before 
the biggest fight, the biggest realistically like professional event of their life. Sure. Um, and I just I don't know. I I I really quickly I didn't feel com- totally comfortable not mentioning that as my highlight because uh, I think he took a stance and uh, as a result like it it would be really brutal of me to kind of like just shove it under the carpet sure. and, and not make mention of it. So that's that. Yeah. No, I dig it. I dig it. Well, let's get to the other guys. We talked a little bit uh, about Francis and Stupid. Let's t- let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about DC and uh, and Vulcan. I mean, how excited are you guys for that fight? I mean, and, and what did you think when you saw him at Media Day? I mean, we see a DC was very very loose, uh, but uh, hop on in and, and, and I'm gonna say this: we're gonna miss DC when he's gone, man. <laughs> I honestly think, like, as a straight up, like as a guy, I don't forget press conferences, forget mm-hmm. all that, forget the John, re- remove John Jones. Which you know you could say about just about every part of DC's career, and I think he's the best media day um, fighter on the entire UFC roster. He will talk about anything. He's funny. He's analytical. He to me, if I'm going to give another guy credit, I asked him. I was like, "Why do you keep bringing up losing to John Jones? Like you didn't even technically lose anymore." And he like gave me like a three and a half minute breakdown of why he was impressed with what John Jones did to him. I just think DC is incredible, and there's no one else in the UFC like him. And he says he's retiring at 40. He's 38 now. People should appreciate him while he's here because I'm so happy every time I see him during media week. I dig it. Yeah, Cormier was on top form yesterday. Uh, Just to kind of give a quick recap, he he comes into the Reebok headquarter uh, ring and comes into pretty much a, a you know an all-round warm kind of reception from the crowd does the workout now typically and throughout the evening um the ufc's megan levy was essentially conducting all the interviews as all the yeah. fighters before she could even finish her first question or her first the first words were coming out of her mouth Cormier goes into which is pretty much a pro wrestling gimmick on the mic and cuts an amazing promo just basically takes the microphone away from Megan and says I've got it from here thank you very much love and he continues to walk around the ring and address all the fans and by the end of it it was like he was in his hometown of San Jose, California, because they were really, you know, on his side, louder than they were before. And then he followed that by giving us a great um, media scrum. And thankfully, uh, the member of the UFC PR staff allowed me to sneak in one final mm-hmm. question, which actually I was dumbfounded. None of us had actually bothered to ask him during the scrum itself, mm-hmm. uh, me included, because I'd actually already asked a few questions beforehand. And I wanted to ask him, I wanted to ask him what he thought about John Jones taking a polygraph test to kind of prove his innocence in this kind of ongoing, uh, you know, legal and, you know, uh, suspension issue that he's got under USADA. And Cormier, right off the cuff, before he walks off uh, from the podium, he basically says, even Ted Bundy passed the polygraph test. It was just a brilliant And line. then Ted G- Bundy killed and the man who did Which the is test. false. <laughs> which is fake news. I know. I was like, right? Okay, maybe, maybe he did. Yeah, he did not. It's still a good line. It's it a damn a good line. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. And that's what Danny's referring to. Because yeah. anytime you put a camera in front of Cormier or a microphone, he's going to deliver. And, and you're absolutely... I 100% agree with what you're saying, Danny. We need to enjoy him more. I kind of feel like the fans are, you know, more warmer to him now than they have been in the past. Um, and again, unfortunately or fortunately for, for Cormier, it is linked to uh, John Jones and what you know he's been going through. But as a testament to jo- to Cormier that he's kept the division ticking ticking on and moving forward. 
what other division does a guy that, that comes in has you know three great performances within a 12 month period and gets a, a title shot immediately it doesn't really happen in the UFC, yeah. right? And here we have Volkan Ozdemir coming in. You know, he's a fellow European, um, but when you look at the, the credentials, he was essentially brought in as Anthony Johnson's, you know, sparring partner. And, you know, DC's just got so many more years of experience. And just, I mean, the confidence that oozes out of Cormier, how can you pick against the guy, right? Um, so I'm looking forward to the fight. It's a, it's a, it's a great kind of, I suppose, uh, table setter for the main event. Um, and, and like, like we've spoken about a couple of times now, you know, this is you know, essentially uh, a two-fight event for me and for most people. So I'm really looking forward to it, yeah. I also still think DC is a top five pound-for-pound pound guy in the world. I did when he fought John Jones. I think he lost to the number one guy pound-for-pound pound in the world with some funny business going on there, too. Like, this is a secretly great fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think we all know it's, a, it's not secretly a great fight, but it's secretly a better fight than people are giving it credit for. Sure. Um, so I just want to, like, yeah. Um, it's tough when you, I mean, you're paired with, like, the this great heavyweight fight, and you're like, oh, you're going to get that kind of, well, also Rand status. It's going to get overshadowed, I suppose. But but you're right. It shouldn't. And someone, I, this was on Twitter. I think Mike Bond actually tweeted it when it happened. Like, when was the last time we had heavyweight and light heavyweight on the same card? Like, this is special. Yeah. It's why I don't care that I literally, like, there's a guy named Danny, Danny IGE, I think, like literally his name, I don't know what his last name is. Ig, Ig. It's like I swear to God, if you look yeah, at the code, Ig. Uh, what is his last name? I don't know what that is, and I'm not embarrassed about it because the animal, Dan, the animal, Ig, Ig. I've been called Ige. the animal my whole Ige. damn life. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, this is an amazing fight, and I personally, I mean, I. It's weird. I feel guilty because I look at this fight and I'm like, well, Ozemir's got a. You know, got the chance. He's got that knockout power, and I just totally dismiss it because I just think Cormier is such a special fighter. Meanwhile, I'm like, well, Stipe and Ganyu, and Ganyu's got that knockout power, and I don't dismiss it at all. Like I'm so inconsistent with what I what I do. So, well, what's great, and and you'll hear in this in this audio that I'm about to play shortly, and with Daniel, really, oddly enough, gives a lot of respect to to Vulcan in the sense that he's. The, he had said earlier, you know, the, the, this kid, the young guy, the new blood that's coming in, and he talks about why guys like him are good for the division because he's not going to be around forever. And when you look at the, the light heavyweight division, even when you look at the heavyweight division, it's been so sporadic. We, and I think what's exciting is when we see this new blood. So we see like a guy like Francis coming, injecting all this energy and, and, and pop in the heavyweight division. I think it's good that now we're seeing these cats that are coming up through the light heavyweight to kind of inject a little bit of energy into it as well. So, you know, not that you ever want to say like, oh, a guy like DC, oh, he's a gatekeeper, especially when he's already admittedly said like he's getting near the end of his career. And he's still very active and he's still very good and he's still the fucking champ, you know. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on that when you see guys like this? Are we going to start seeing? Do you think maybe the time is now that we're going to start seeing? Do I have to pay Bruce Buffer or somebody for saying that? Maybe the UFC, the time is now. I feel like Bruce is like, you that's my cha-ching, copyright. Cha-ching. That's my copyright. Well, I, do, what, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Well, I do think that DC even said um, at the press conference, I believe it was at you know the end of December, where he said like he never expected to be around to fight this next generation of guys. Yeah, he is thirty eight, and he's now fighting these guys in their late twenties who are coming into their prime. And I mean, I actually don't know that anything that happens from here on out really affects. DC's legacy. He's going to be the same guy. I mean, he he's the guy who beat Anthony Johnson and Gustafson and unfortunately couldn't beat John Jones. He is now fighting, like, this next group of guys who are coming up, and I know we don't know other than Ozdemir who they are, 
But if it, you know, but there you get is the a feeling that they're coming. You get the feeling that they're coming. It's in with the out or, or out with the in. I don't know what whatever the, old, the, in the new? yeah. Oh my god, I'm so glad you're articulate because <laughs> uh, I am not. Um, but like, I mean, I do feel like this is not a fight that necessarily does much for Cormier beyond him. You know, reaffirming his status as the champion after what sure. happened with Jones. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he started off talking trash. He's mostly just made fun of Ozdemir. I think he is ready to put guys over. Yeah, in that old wrestling Looks sense. Like they like, got, he got in something about his, his outfit today. I couldn't quite hear what he was saying when they were starting to walk away. In a sec, because he waited till they were so far away before he turned back around and started talking. Junk. And I think he wants to go out and beat these guys, but I don't think he wants to disparage them as athletes. That's, yeah. that's I guess that's part of it. I think he does want this next group of light heavyweights. So he's already thinking like an elder statesman. I actually do think he is. Yeah. So it's like he's he he needs to win. He needs to hype the fight, but at the same time, he can't destroy the sport. He's, he's like this is. You know, these are definitely legitimate guys. I'm gonna beat them, but guess what? These are your, these are top runners. So yeah, it makes he's sense. made fun of Ozdemir for no one paying attention to him on Twitter. Like, I mean, he mm-hmm. hasn't he hasn't really been like criticized him as a fighter. You know right. what I mean? So yeah, and I mean, I think that you know, Sandu is the pro wrestling guy. I'm pretty sure, like within uh, in this table, but oh, there's, easily there's a long history <laughs> of of the established veterans in pro wrestling spending that last time making sure that they they do hype up the next group of guys and. I think DC like a bit is, of mentoring, almost. yeah, and it's different in MMA always, but I do think DC is engaging in that a little bit. It's interesting. I yeah, like it. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, what Daniel's doing—he's basically, you know, holding this whole division on his shoulders. Um, and it's unfortunate that he's been almost, you know, given that responsibility, almost like a poison chalice, given what John Jones has done with his career. Um, you know, and people still question as Cormier is he the real champion? It's just a bit of a mess because of, because of John Jones. Um, but you know, he's a true professional. You know, he's he, he's a company man. He's somebody that you want kind of like representing you uh, on your side rather than against you. Um, and you know, it's it's a credit to the UFC. And you know what, Danny, we may lose him. In a couple of years um, inside the octagon but we all know that he's going to be around for many many years he's a great analyst he's a great commentator you he's the kind of guy that will have a long broadcast career um, and I'm sure that will give us many kind of new memories especially with some of his amazing mic work as of late I get it. And let's just get to brass tacks and we'll close it out. And I, I think you guys already kind of said it, but uh, who are you picking in this? In the I'm picking Cormier. I'll go with the history. I'll give it the, go with the fact that the only guy that's ever beaten him is John Jones. Um, and, you know, a credit to what Volkan's been able to do in such a short amount of time. But there's levels to this game. And, you know, Cormier is just, you know, at least three or four levels above where um, Ozdemir is now. Um, and I will be actually very, very shocked and surprised if uh, Volkan is able to pull off the upset. And to be honest with you, if he does, um, I just wonder what that means for the future of Daniel Cormier. Like, does he actually kind of pack it in, uh, given, you know, coming off the loss to John Jones and coming off a loss to someone that pretty much everyone universally thinks he's going to beat? That would be an amazing story if that's the scenario that we're presented with come Saturday night. But I don't think that's gonna that's what's gonna happen. I think we're gonna see uh, a classic Daniel Cormier performance, get him to the ground and choke him out with a rear naked choke. Boom, fiasco. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Cormier. I'm going with Cormier. And I do think you're right though. If he did lose, I think he's gonna jump up that two years to like, now nah, I'm done. I don't want to go back and like scale that wall again. I think it's two years as the champ, and then. You know, but if he if he loses, I, don't, I, I see him just probably retiring in a cage. Yeah, it doesn't make for interesting podcasting having all of us agree. But I mean, I, I really do believe like Daniel. I, I still think he's top five pound for pound. I 
at the time that him and Jones fought, I thought that they might have been one or one and two pound for pound, and um, that's no knock on DJ or whatever. But I, I, I really like. I'm sorry, like Volkanovski. I respect you. You've got clear knockout power, but like, you've beaten Jimmy Manua. Like, let's look at who Cormier's beaten. He's sure. beaten Alexander Gustafson. He is like, he has beaten Anthony Johnson twice. Yeah. And he confused Anthony Johnson somehow without hitting him <laughs> enough that Anthony Johnson just stopped being Anthony Johnson. Like, this is this is he just a neck away from us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quit. Like, like, Daniel Cormier is so freaking good. And I mean, honestly, Volkanovski, respect him. He's done amazing things. But I, I do think we need to step back and at some point just acknowledge that, like, Remove John Jones and and Daniel Cormier is the best fighter of his generation in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he's beaten everyone. He's beaten higher level competition than any of the guys who have had really really good runs at the top of their division. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's a, I mean, it, this is a no brainer fight. Um, and I would love to see Cormier personally like do what his teammates do, which is get on top of guys and really lay beatings on people. And I think he's probably he's probably do. I love it. All right, and yeah, and I'll I'll keep mine short and sweet. I'm I'm. Joining the chorus here, I oh, did yeah. lean uh, towards DC. I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon <laughs> with everybody else here. I think DC. I think he's just you didn't too much. Want to betray your country in any other way? No, I, I know, yeah. I know. Come on, come on. Um, but I, I think he, I think he gets it done. And uh, we did happen to catch up with him today. And uh, you know, outside of just talking um, the typical fight stuff, um, uh, young Matt Erickson. I'm gonna steal it from Mike Bond for a second. Um, asked uh, Daniel to comment a little bit about Vulcan's age, you know, clear up the comment, you know, about the, the kid and whatnot. And they also uh, brought up his training partner, um, Luke Rockhold, who now has been seen on a lot of these videos training alongside Vulcan and what that has done for him, you know, is that upsetting him, you know, what his sort of feelings are on that. And he was very candid and open about the situation and, uh, um, yeah, we'll see what you guys think. But thank you guys for joining us. We're gonna we're gonna hand it off with this audio. And we're gonna send it back to uh, to Morgan and uh, and take and it Morgan from there. Morgan in the LA office. <laughs> but I thank you guys very much for for, for being on uh, on the on the podcast and uh, for you guys here is Daniel Cormier. DC, yesterday you said something with us. You called him a kid, which is legit, right? Is that important? Win or lose on Saturday night, that that this kid is kind of a new contender in your division given that the John Jones era presu presumably is over? Vulcan's very important to the division. He's very important to the future of the division because he's so young. There aren't many young guys that are fighting at the highest level at 205, so I don't even think I called him a kid in that manner. I didn't mean I, yeah, to call him like that. I don't like think that. you did. I you think know, that was actually a compliment for him. Yeah, he's just a young guy yeah. that's made a splash very, very early. I mean, you feel like this division in particular needs it, especially if we're 15, 16 months away from, from yeah. you maybe not being here anymore? Yeah, we need young guys. I mean, I'm 30, not 38, 39 in March. Uh, Glover Teixeira is older. Jimmy Manawa is my age, I think. So we got to get some young guys in this division. So his time will come. It just won't come on Saturday night. His time's yeah. coming, just not this weekend. Talk to me a little bit about, I know you've talked about Luke being away and being in Florida. Has it been weird? Have you watched any of the stuff like the like the embedded and stuff like that to see him working and see Vulcan running down the side next to him? Is that weird to see? Because it's weird to us to see as as media members or as fans. I think I know Luke's my brother, though, right? I love him. 
Luke left for a number of reasons. Still trains at AK, but he left because he's having some issues with his. You guys don't know why Luke left, but we do. So there's more to it, right? But I also got a job, many outside of fighting, and a family. Kane's been hurt, so he lost his two main training partners. Khabib's always in Russia, so. He's lost his main guy, so I understand why he made the move. I kind of applaud him for being bold enough to step out of his comfort zone and do something like this. So it doesn't really matter. But I did get a call from Luke the other day because I said that, I, that Luke can't beat me. <laughs> he goes, you had to say that? I was like, come on, man. You knew you weren't going to get out of this thing unscathed. You knew you were not going to get out of here clean. So he's like, all right, I got it. I mean, it did make for some interesting TV to see that episode and see the two of them and knowing your tightness with Luke and knowing the guy you're fighting. But it's just good TV. I mean, I don't Nothing really, more I mean, to it. I don't know what he's supposed to do. They work out in the same room, share like a strength and conditioning coach. Like, what's yeah. he going to do schedule? All of his workouts at different times? Yeah. It's too difficult. But I don't really care, honestly. I don't even care if they spar. But Luke said they don't spar. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they spar. That's up to them. Sure. Put on your analyst hat for us for a second. Give us a pick for the main event on Saturday. You're not going to do it? Even though you're not calling the fights? You're going to pay me? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how, much, how much do you need? I'm not Because think about it. it. Every time I make picks, these guys get mad at me. Everybody gets mad. The only reason I do it is because Fox pays me. If we pulled our money like from within this group here? Still won't be enough. 20 bucks a pick? Like <laughs> I got to go see these guys right now. Shit will be up on the internet, and I'll run into one of them in the hotel. At least you know it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a slobber knocker, yeah. like JR would say. Okay. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it, man. Welcome back to the West Coast. The MMA Roadshow coming at you from all over the country. John Morgan and Cole Coffee can't be together. That doesn't mean we're... That doesn't mean we're half-assing it. That doesn't mean we're splitting up. No, 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 no. That just means you get twice the coverage. How about that? Cold Coffee doing his thing out there in Boston with a with a room full of people, man. Pretty cool. Great, great to hear all those cats out there having a good time and uh, and, and uh, covering the hell out of this event, man. I'm, I'm I, No question about it, man. I'm bummed to be missing that heavyweight title fight, man. I, to me, the most exciting heavyweight title fight, the most anticipated heavyweight title fight, the one I've been going back to was thinking uh, Kane and Brock. I remember, you know, the hype around that one. Everybody was just so pumped up for it. Um, though I think most people that know the sport knew that Kane was going to win the fight. Um, but the anticipation, this one's different because the anticipation, it's, you know, it's 50-50, man. Uh, I'm riding with Francis. Francis is a, a roadshow favorite, man. We, we, we've met him very early on in his career. We're very impressed by him. Very impressed by uh, his potential and all those wonderful things. Um, I, I'm going to stick with it. I, I got to stick with it. That's nothing against Stipe because that's the whole thing. That's what makes this fight so much fun is that, I mean, Stipe's on a knockout run too. Everybody's talking about the power of, of Francis Ngannou, and, and rightfully so. But take a look at Stipe's record. He's been knocking cats out left and right. So fun fight, man. I don't see any way that this doesn't deliver. I don't see any way. This doesn't end in a knockout, to be honest with you. But uh, I'm rolling with Francis and new and new. Um, yeah, hey, should say, by the way, if you like what you're listening, either like what you're listening, if you like what you're hearing, 
whether it be the stuff in Boston or the stuff in Los Angeles, probably the stuff in Boston because obviously I can't speak at this point, do us a favor. Go to iTunes. Make sure you go in there. Make sure you subscribe, first of all. That helps. Make sure you, you take a second. Go ahead and rate us real quick if you can. Five stars. We'd love to have it. But, you know, be fair. Whatever you got. And if you got some feedback, give us some feedback. Love to hear positive, even negative. I mean, I'd prefer just positive if you don't mind. That helps us out. Maybe you want to shoot me a private note with some negative feedback. You don't have to give it for the world to see. Be okay with that, man. Just hit me up on Twitter and give me the negative feedback. But for the positive, throw that out there in the public for everybody to see. It helps us out. It helps more people find uh, the MMA Road Show, which we bring to you, of course, every damn week. 147 straight weeks without missing. That's how we do. Uh, Daniel Cormier, Vulcan, Ozdemir. Listen, I went with Daniel Cormier here. I mean, you have to, right? I mean, DC's saying it like, look, there's levels, and, and I'm on a different level. And he's definitely fought the best of the best, whereas Vulcan has had some great performances but hasn't just continually for years fought the highest level of fighter. But, man, what a great run it would be. Vulcan does seem incredibly comfortable, man. Calm, cool, collected. Never seems intimidated by the, the, the pressure, by the enormity of the moment, by, by Cormier himself. Man, just never seems overwhelmed. And uh, what an amazing story that would be. I mean, a year ago, I remember interviewing Volkan Ozdemir in uh, the uh, a boardroom in Houston. You know, he made his debut on the Super Bowl card. There was no media there uh, just because uh, it, it was so expensive, obviously, to get a hotel room. I ended up staying in, a, in an Airbnb um, where I was basically staying in like a like a, a garden house. Like, I don't know, is that what you call it, a garden house? It was just like a little like shed basically that this uh homeowner had turned into a, a a pretty cool little i guess a one bedroom apartment i mean a studio apartment thing it was just like a yeah like a shed but it, you know anyway i'm staying in somebody's backyard basically uh but but cover that show and i mean for him a year later to be fighting for the light heavyweight title and and it not be unreasonable i mean I, I, there's nobody else out there right now that you'd say oh man but they, you, this guy got screwed over um Pretty cool, pretty cool. So, uh, I mean, certainly, look, if, if you want to upset DC, you got to have some pop in your hands, right? I mean, that's what you think. I don't think many people are going to go wrestle with him toe-to-toe. So you got to have some pop in your hands, and you can't be intimidated. Um, you know, maybe that's Vulcan. Maybe maybe, maybe Vulcan is, uh, you know, Anthony Johnson with a little different mindset, you know, a little bit more of a killer mindset. You know, Anthony Johnson, one, one of the, the, the most powerful punchers ever, right? But I, you know, I always hated that he didn't have that edge to him. I mean, I get it, and and um, I mean, I still have all the respect in the world for Anthony Johnson. He's such a a good dude to talk to and everything. And I think he he focuses on like positivity. I kind of like my fighters, especially when they're that powerful, to have a little little edge to them, a little bit of little bit of disregard for their opponent. You know, and he was always, you know, the jokes and, and the and the respect, and that's good. That's good. But I like it when 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 you kind of got a nasty side there. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I think Cormier is the, the right pick, but Volkanovski is dangerous. He is dangerous. We'll see. Could he shock the world, man? That would be crazy. Uh, listen, you know, the rest of the card, um, you know, I haven't been there covering anything, so I don't have a ton of stories. I'll definitely be pulling for John Vellante. Uh, love that guy, man. That's one of the, 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 the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. Always got a, a – uh, 
always good to to share a laugh with and uh, to share a frosty beverage with after after events, man. He's he's a good dude, so uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'll be pulling for him, man. I, I think he's just always fun to talk to. Abdul Razak Al Hassan, still somebody that I'm I'm very impressed with. Um, I like the fact that they're doing a rematch here. Uh, I don't hate uh, the the decision that was made last time with the Al Hassan fight, uh, the way Hamasi fell when he was knocked down. But I like the fact they're doing it. But uh, I do like Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I think he's got some real potential and uh matt Bissett. i wrote a story about uh about matt Bissett, who had a pretty interesting ride to get to the ufc he had basically um given up on his dreams 30 fights into his career he'd given up on his dreams of being in the in the ufc and no sooner than he gave up on his dream than he got a call to be in the ufc so pretty pretty cool little story if you, if you uh looking for some reading to do uh the uh, the headline there is 18 hours after accepting he'd never be in the ufc Matt Bissett was in the UFC. So another little piece if you want to read some of my writing. Um, hey, listen, last thing I want to say, uh, this Conor McGregor situation, which, again, depending on when you listen to the show, might already be all worked out. You know, we know that the fight is on, just like, just like we told you it was going to be last week if you listened. Uh, Habib never going to get out with Tony Ferguson, Brooklyn. Uh, just like we all said it would be, the only remaining question is, will Conor be stripped or not? Um kind of want him to be to be honest with you just to keep the division moving along but i will say this uh it doesn't matter <laughs> we're getting the fights we want to see and that's what matters and i and i'm not one of those persons one of those persons one of those people jesus christ i'm not one of those people who thinks that the belt is worth nothing it is worth something uh, it's definitely worth something. It's, it means something in the historical uh, context of of the sport and the organization, and it also, you know, it, it also means simple things like being able to renegotiate your contract, and it means money, and it means, you know, that casual observers of the sport will, will gravitate towards you. Advertisers who don't know much about the sport but want to get involved in MMA, they're gonna they're gonna jump to the people that have gold belts around their waist. There's no question about it. So it does mean something. But the bottom line is we're getting the fights that we want to get. We're getting the division going back where it needs to be. And it looks like by the end of the year, you know, lightweight will be set up again the right way. It's been such a frustrating stretch, man. Between Conor McGregor and George St. Pierre, God bless them both and everything that they've accomplished. But the featherweight division, the lightweight division, the welterweight division, the middleweight division, it's all a damn mess right now, man. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious to get things going back in the right direction. And I think this is the right fight to start with. And, of course, the winner going to face Conor McGregor. Uh, sounds like in September. Again, which is pretty exciting considering that the UFC does have a, a Russia date on hold. Uh, should Habib Nurmagomedov prove uh, victorious. Although... I don't know that that would possibly be a pay-per-view. I think that's supposed to be a fight night. So I don't know that Habib versus Connor could actually take place in Russia. Uh, I think they want to have, a, you know, an event in Russia at local time so that fans in in the market can go at a normal time. But that means a bad time for for the U.S. You know, if you if you wanted to do it uh, a pay-per-view, you know, it'd be a very very early morning start. And I don't know that that's what they want to do. But anyway, it's still interesting nonetheless. Um, but you know, listen, man. If Conor McGregor is stripped, he's st- you know what he's gonna do. He's still just gonna walk around, and say, ah, "I'm still the champ." You know, I, I never lost. You know, your belt means nothing. Blah 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 blah. So honestly, I don't care if they strip him or not. If they want to leave him, have the belt, and they just fight for the interim title, I'm okay with that. It's just as long as we get this fight happening, please, MMA gods, please, don't take this from us. Do not take this from us. 
You've taken it from us too many times. This is the fight we want to see, and then we want to see the winner face Conor McGregor. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, those two fights happen this year. And if so, then I don't care if Conor gets stripped. Whatever happens at the end of those fights, that's who the champion is. And damn it, we'll be back to normal at lightweight. <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, don't know what we're going to do for and a half. <coughs> and a half. But we'll figure out something. Hopefully... I can get uh, cold coffee to shoot us something from Boston. If not, maybe we'll just wrap up everything from L.A. Maybe I'll grab Mr. Gareth A. Davies, who's here as well. I don't know. We'll figure out something. In the meantime, thanks for listening.